These motherfuckers aren't wearing shirts. That's not something they should worry about. Hello and welcome to Dice Like Ice, episode 17. I'm your host, Tony Acton, and with me, as always, the slit to my knucks, Andrew Mitchell. Uh, wh- who? Slit what? and knucks, it's uh, Mad Max, Fury Road. Oh, Fury Road, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, uh, uh, it took me a really long time to figure out... Yeah, you started with a slit, so I'm like, who the fu- <laughs> is it like a Ninja Turtle character or something? No. What the fu- and they said knucks, and I'm like, I know that name, what? <laughs> Yeah, no, it took a lot of Googling to figure out what the fuck the other dude's name was. Yeah, because he's got, like, the half the Joker smile thing. And yeah. It's all stapled together, so I guess... Slit, sure. Yeah, they, they, I don't know why you'd name one guy Nux. You should name him, like, Lumpy, because he's got lumps on his neck if you're just going off what you see. I, I thought yeah. about going with Capable and Toast the Knowing, but I feel like less people would have gotten that one somehow. Yeah, Splendidanghara <laughs> and the Dag. <laughs> I, I actually have uh, the art and making of Book of Mad Max Fury Road. It's super interesting because it's like 20 plus years of George Miller's mad ramblings and notes and sketches that he did to like snowball this thing into a project. Yeah. And then the book like transitions into actual concept artists and such. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. It was. Uh, uh, Morton Joe was originally supposed to be blue. Ooh, didn't know that. Uh, Morton Joe was played by the same guy who played Toe Cutter. Yeah. Uh, Mad Max 1, for those of you who haven't seen it. Um, yeah, apparently he wanted... Blue is such a weird color in the wasteland, so that was, like, why he was supposed to be blue. It was, like, he would dye his skin with detergents, and that was, like, his sign of royalty or something. Uh. And I guess if you're already irradiated from just the nuclear hellscape you live in, who cares if you're getting poisoning from detergents, I guess? Yeah, I, uh, I, I did watch a little quick interview with... Um the director of photography for it talking about how like George Miller's vision was like, he didn't want your normal like gray or sepia apocalypse palette. He wanted it to be beautiful. Like they, they hunted down the beautiful things in the world. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Which is really interesting because apparently he really wanted it to be in black and white initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did actually get the Blood and Chrome edition Blu-ray, which is in black How and white. How is that? Uh, way better with oh, color. Okay. It's yeah, it's way better original release. Like, it's it's interesting. It's cool. It's worth picking up if you don't already own it because it comes with the Blood and Chrome black and white copy and also just the normal copy. So it's it's fun for a movie you know you're going to rewatch a few times. But uh, I've watched the black and white version once. <laughs> I feel like if they were going to do an actual full-on black and white version, though, the the cinematography would have been different. Yeah, not for sure. It's because uh, I think it was just like initial planning, yeah. and then the studio's like, no, nobody's going to pay to see a fucking black and white movie these days. Make it in color, and then that's when he's like, all right, well, I'll I'll give you some goddamn color. <laughs> yeah, no one's definitely going to pay. We all saw how bad uh, Sin City Two bombed. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. That. Mm. That was just because it was a bad movie, though. Hot take? I only thought the first one was kind of okay. Yeah, no, it was one of those ones where I was 15 when it came out, and I'm like, this is really cool because it's super violent, and there's boobs, and then I go back and watch it as a 32-year-old. Watch it as a 32-year-old. Jessica Alba can't act for shit. Yeah, it's like, this has some merits, but uh, boy, this is definitely made for teenagers. (laughs) 
Oh, yes. Way to go, Frank Miller. <laughs> well, all <laughs> right, for, crazy uh, person. We that get... guy went off the deep end. Oh, dude, seriously. But uh, before we get too wildly off the rails, yeah. uh, Andrew, I'm going to need something from our sponsors here. You... Oh, well, as always, uh, before we continue with our Mad Max and Sin City podcast, uh, our podcast is sponsored by Grip and Grip. And this time, I opened mine in front of the microphone so you could hear it. My, uh, my pop filter did a great job of catching the splash. What you drinking, Andrew? <laughs> ah, this is, uh, I think, my first repeat brew. I, uh, I went by the liquor store today to see if they had anything fun. And apparently, uh, they got some stock in early for fall. So this is uh, my Voodoo Ranger Atomic Pumpkin Ale again. This is the one that's uh, oh, you did that got habanero in it. And yeah. yeah, exactly. It's my first repeat. And I was like, you know, I didn't want to repeat. But I really want to drink that tonight because that's a really fucking good beer. So it's uh, we'll see if this year's batch is as good as the last. Well, in the immortal words of Immortarian Joe, mediocre. Andrew, I'm disappointed in you. Ah, well, it's a delicious beer, and I don't <laughs> care. What did you get, Tony? Uh, I got one though, and I cracked it. It is strong smelling. It is a Sweetwater's Hazy IPA, their juicy double dry hopped IPA. So this were to be interesting. That, that just sounds confused. It's juicy yet dry. Huh. Huh. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not great. It's just it's just kind of there. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. huh. Well, okay. That sure sounds like most IPAs. No, I have. it has what the fuck? I don't even know what What was what what it's what was that one we had on Wednesday where it was like the consistency oh, of a stout Jesus. Was still um, IPA? I don't fucking remember. It wasn't bad, but it was definitely... It was weirdly uh, thick. It like, was weirdly I'm fi- thick. I'm fine with that as a stout drinker, but yeah. It was, it was interesting for sure. No, it's Hazy IPA. It's got, it's got a fruity taste to it, but it's also really dry and hoppy. Like, it's not bad. It just it wasn't what I was expecting. Uh, this is gonna hmm. sound kind of weird. Maybe it's but one of those did ones you... by the second can. Yeah. Did um did you ever try Angry Orchards like like they're they're hopped when they had for a while? Like Angry Ang... No, I don't tend to go for okay, hoppy stuff. Well, it kind of tastes like that, but more beery and less cidery. Hmm. Huh. Just sounds like you should just get a beer then. Yeah. Well, I mean this is this is a beer. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying, if you're going for Angry Orchards, but you want, like, the hoppy one, just get a beer at that point, and if you're not going full cider. Yeah. It was between this or, uh, Heather got me a, uh, the, the sister, she got me a bottle of, uh, what, what is it called? Fucking Creek Water Whiskey. So, I thought about <laughs> I trying that, that but you don't get that. I would have gone with that one just for the name. Yeah, but you don't get the, you don't get the ASMR on it, see? Oh, does it not have a pop top? That nice... What? No, it's a bottle of whiskey. Oh, it's actual whiskey. Okay, I was thinking it was what? like... What fucking whiskey do you drink that has a pop top? No, I was thinking like freak water whiskey. It sounded like some kind of weird, like, you know, gimmicky canned beer. That's why I was thinking. I was like, oh, get that instead. Oh, okay, that's fair. No, no, this is actually a bottle of whiskey, which I've never had that brand, so... Need to give it a try, but right, not then. a night when I've got to work very early in the morning. Yeah, that's a... Oh, so, uh, Andrew's been a little... Yeah. 
It's uh, been a little bit since we recorded. What you what you been working on in your your hobby free time? Oh, a bit oh hobby progress. Well, uh, mostly it's been uh, a lot of stuff that has been given to me because I recently had a birthday and I have a significant group of uh, friends and family who know I'm into some nerd shit. So uh, between everybody I know, <laughs> surprise, between surprise, uh, surprise, <laughs> yeah. Uh, between the kits I was given, the money I was given, and like the Games Workshop's credit I was given, I was able to get a Cargo 8 Ridge Hauler and Trailer. That's specifically from the Necromunda group. Again, thank you guys. It's uh, monstrously huge. Oh my god. That is a huge, huge truck. (laughs) It's like a third again larger than Orc Battle Wagon. It is a gigantic vehicle. Like, I didn't think it would be worth the, you know, 90-ish dollars or whatever it is until I actually built it and saw it in person. That it's it's a it's a brick it's a it's a brick with wheels and it's great and it has so many little options and gubbins and stuff and you can actually totally build it to where it can be either a flatbed option or have the cargo container on it it's just slots out super easily you don't have to glue it together so you can uh, definitely have it hauling around your gang of idiots in the ash wastes if you don't want to do a uh, a nice cargo run uh, the trailer is actually the same thing as the back <laughs> half of the Cargo 8. It just doesn't have the cab on it, but uh, it still comes with all the options. You, uh, and it comes with um, the the Minotaurum container sprue also comes with a bunch of like barrels and crates and stuff. So you can have extra things to throw on the back of the truck. It's a it's a very customizable kit. So I got uh, I got that built. I got it primed. Uh, I also was gifted a uh, Achilles Ridge Runner to add to my squat gang. So continuing the ash wastes, um, got that one built and primed as well. Uh, I also was given enough uh, cash slash games workshop credit that uh, I got myself the Chaos Knights uh, start collecting kit. Uh, it's the one that came with the codex and the cards and the knight and the two war dogs. And so I also got that built and primed and it's going to be there for a bit while I work on some other backlog stuff. But it's really cool and I'm really excited to build and paint there or to paint that. I already built it. Um, and I pretty well decided that my colors, I'm going to do house Herpetrax. Um kind of a cool like green and uh like bone white color um fun backstory on them they're technically not traitors because they refused to join the imperium in the first place even before the horus heresy for those of you that did not know (laughs) hipster traitors yeah exactly but they're not traitors they never joined (laughs) heretics before it was cool yeah they're straight up heretics like they've, they've been worshiping the dark gods for ages but they never joined the imperium so they're technically never a traitor uh other than to like mankind in general i guess um also this is the last of the so andrew it's been uh it's been raining a bunch and it's been super humid uh how how did you get those minis primed sir give me a second i'm getting there um and the last of the birthday (laughs) hall i finally got myself a uh orgroid myrmidon which is a model i have been admiring for ages and absolutely have been wanting to get for a long time and had no real reason to and eventually i was just like ah fuck it i'll just bite the bullet and get it and have it as a one-off painting project but super cool with that and bellicor and my iron golems I'm, i'm slow growing a slaves to darkness army it's it's happening it'll take a bit but i'll get there um and as Tony was saying, uh, it has been incredibly humid and incredibly muggy 
for like two and a half months in Georgia, I have been completely unable to spray prime a model. So I broke down and I took my models with me to work <laughs> and I got myself a nice big tarp and I brought all my rattle cans with me and I went to the maintenance area in the basement of the building I work in and spray primed everything down there because I work later than everyone else. So it wasn't going to bug anyone. It was well ventilated. I did not do another bathroom uh, spray priming like I did the last time with my squats. So no chance of asphyxiation this go around. Um, and now that we're moving away from all the birthday stuff, the uh, other progress I got was I have fully painted my squat gang with the exception of my leader, who I am videoing myself recording so that way I can make into a video, hopefully, to put on Patreon and or YouTube. Just kind of testing the waters with that since I've not really ever done much in the way of video editing. Uh, it's really awkward to film yourself painting a model because the camera has to be dead center and it's really hard not to bump it the whole time or like get bad angles while you're trying to paint. It's, uh, it's a challenge is why it's taken so long, but he's about two thirds of the way painted. So I'll have that video coming out. I don't know, by the end of summer, because I work glacially slowly on that sort of thing, apparently. <laughs> um, and the last thing I got the... Squat Exo Driller suit from Forge World. I didn't really need to get a hundred and twenty hundred and twenty dollars worth of minis, so I bit the bullet and paid the uh, what fifteen dollars shipping or whatever for it. Um, got that model in. Really yeah. cool. Really well detailed. Uh, a tiny, tiny bit of mold slippage on it, but it was pretty easily uh, cut off with a Zacto knife. Doesn't look funky or anything. Um, hadn't done much with it other than build it. Although I did pick up one of the new contrast paints, and y'all. If you want to paint a yellow, get Imperial Fist's Contrast. I did one... Holy crap, man. It's awesome. I did one coat on that guy, and, like, the yellow is essentially done. Like, I just have to do one uh, fat highlight with a lighter yellow and then a, a edge highlight with um, Screaming Skull, and then it's done. Uh, it, and then it's just weathering. Like, it's 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 amazing how good this is if you just paint it over white primer it's ridiculous i uh, 10 out of 10 100 out of 10 if you're painting yellow get imperial fists contrast um and yeah that is uh, all of my hobby progress how about you tony yeah, that was that that yellow is awesome i picked up a pot of it when we were at giga and holy shit man like make sure you have a smooth color down below it because any variations in color are very noticeable yeah but my god that yellow is awesome uh i picked up the what is it the striking scorpion green Carander green whatever it's called yeah. and it's also amazing it's a really vivid green i've been using that on some of my skaven stuff yeah i picked up um uh, i don't garak or whatever it's called as well uh, oh yeah i grabbed that one too but i haven't used it uh yet. while we were at giga because we did do uh essentially a group necromunda group pilgrimage out there yeah. um kennesaw georgia for those of you who are interested uh gigabytes cafe good nerd place uh not sponsored Get- mm, good stuff good tournaments um went out there to just get stuff i ended up picking up a uh, undead uh, ice giant model for D and D, and so I used oh, yeah. I used the Garak sword to like paint his boots just to see if it would be a good leather kind of brown, and it works fine. Um, uh, it's it's definitely just a good like grime stuff up kind of brown. It's essentially shit brown. <laughs> it's called sewer for yeah, a reason. It is, but um, 
It is poop in a jar. Yeah, so if you want to like water that down or something, you can get some really good like streaking grimy effects for like the undercarriage of a vehicle. Or if you want to get like Space Marine battle armor really dirty, like they can crawl through the mud or something. That's a good one for sure. Not quite, not quite as like mind blowingly awesome as the Imperial Fists contrast, but it's good for sure. So I, I haven't had a whole lot of free time. Uh, summer for us is our busy time, so I should be slowing out where I can do more stuff in the near future. But I did get, uh, oddly enough, it was mostly Frostgrave was my progress. Even though Nova is rapidly approaching, we are three weeks out from that. Yeah. I've still got a little bit to paint. we still got to build a display that's, board. That's probably what we should do next week. Like, just knock that out in the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I should have all day Sunday uh, for That'll be fine. I can do that. Works for me. Um, so I got my Frostgrave Warband all painted up. Got my uh, Ice Bear painted for it handful of treasure tokens and uh the cool part about Frostgrave is it's very cinematic so there's a lot of scatter terrain on the board because it's dnds so i picked up two i don't know they were like uh tavern sets from amazon that were a bunch of barrels a bunch of tables stools chairs like crates uh, wine barrel holders little casks painted up all that stuff and uh, we used that in a game we played along with a bunch of Matt's terrain. Then I've got my Storm Vermin for Nova. They're about 60-70% painted. Uh, i got to go through and do cloth on them all, uh, weather them, and then still base everything. Then I picked up the... What are they? Sorry. The Splintered Fang Warband. And those guys are now built and ready to be primed. Those are like the... Um... The snake gladiators. The snake gladiators, yeah. yeah. They're pretty cool. I've been uh, looking through the, the Warcry bands, and if I were to branch out from Iron Golem, I think, gun to my head, if I had to pick another one that's currently released, there's an upcoming one we'll talk about soon, uh, I'd probably go with the Dark Oath Savage guys. The, the, just that Conan shit's really cool. Yeah, I was torn between these guys, the Sounds of the Flame, and then the, uh, what are the gladiator-looking ones? They have the dwarf and the uh, beast man in them. Uh, it's not untamed beast. Spire beasts. tyrants, I think. Yeah, spire tyrants. It was between those three. Matt was already getting the uh, Scions of the Flame. He picked those up at Gen Con. And I was like, oh, Snake Gladiators looks cool. I can play with some of the cool color shift paints on some snakes and some armor. So it'll be a fun project to paint. And then I built the rest of the Black Orc Blood Bowl team with but no troll because I'm missing a sprue for that, unfortunately. And painted up a handful more of them because I just, I love painting that stupid bright color scheme on them. It's so much fun. It's looking fun. really cool so far. It's very, very poppy and cartoony. Definitely liking those yeah. progress pictures. Uh, also hilarious to the just attention to detail of sculpting goblin ass cheeks. Somebody at GW oh, yeah. did. Because they are thick with like four. Oh, and there's a uh, one of the uh, the linemen, uh, the black orcs, who's you also get to see some 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 orc ass cheeks too, and uh, his his pants oh, are yeah. falling down. Yeah. So, you know, there's just there's just some lovingly rendered cheeks going around for Games Workshop. There really are. Oh man, and I think that unfortunately is all of my progress. Not a whole lot on the on the table oh, this week. Joys of being an adult, not having tons of time to hobby. Oof, yeah, seriously. Not all of us can paint at work, Andrew. I mean, don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> F- 
Fair enough. Uh, what kind of what kind of games you got under your belt? I only have a couple. So. Um, well, those couple were probably with me. I got a, a few others, but nothing too wacky. Uh, so the first one we did was against uh, Phil. You and I did a quote doubles game against him. Uh, oh yeah. Unfortunately, we couldn't get anybody else to play with Phil, so it ended up being a two v one. So Tony and I did our our Nova lists. We're doing a thousand points of Skaven and a thousand points of Mega Gargans. And then Phil did 2,000 points of Cities of Sigmar, leaning heavily into dwarves, or what's their dumbass Age of Sigmar name? Dwarden or something? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't... Well, disp- Dispossess. Dispossess, right, because they're, they're not the, the Fire Slayers yeah. or the, the Caradron Overlords. Um, yeah. I don't think they're super good in Age of Sigmar at the moment. I don't know if dwarves are the meta, uh, but uh, we pretty well steamrolled him. Probably didn't help that I was running Mega Gargants, who are, uh, if you don't kill them by round one, they will run fucking wild. Um, yeah. And then you had... Two sets of Storm Fiends were pretty mean, Some dude. real mean Storm Fiends. Holy so, shit! Yeah, we, we were able to do uh, a shitload of damage. It would be like, oh, I'm going to push my brick of... Uh, of I don't remember the names for stuff. Long beards or whatever into your Kraken Eater. And I'd be like, neat. Uh, I'm going to hit with the club. Okay, that's half of them dead. I'm going to do a mighty stomp. Okay, that's the other one's dead. Uh, I didn't actually end up getting to throw rocks or pick them up or to smush them or anything. So I would wipe out like a whole unit in two of my weapons. So uh, it was... You, uh, you did stuff a lot of people in the nets. I did end up getting about seven or eight various models killed by stuffing them in my net for snacks later. Um, yeah. I had a couple of good soccer kicks with my Kraken Eater on the objectives, so that center objective was just too hard for him to get to. It was, uh, uh, I, I, uh, I, I'm not super sure we have the meanest duo list going. I just don't think Cities of Sigmar's, oh, no. Cities of Sigmar's in a terribly great place at the moment. I think we'll have fun with our list, though. Yes, I do. Because our list is, it is doofy as shit. I do think we're, uh, we're primed to do what we did in our last tournament and hit, uh, distinctly average, so. Yep. And have fun. That's the important. That's the big one. Listen. It'll and and us having such super like low model count lists too. Again, they're so powerful. Yeah. We're either going to stomp or be stomped. There is no middle ground. Right. So that was a. It was still a fun time though. We just you know hang out, drunk, shot the shit. It was a good time. Uh, definitely excited to see about getting another one or two matches in before Nova. Uh, after that. Um, during Necromunda a few weeks ago now. Yeah, we had a, a break because the guys went to Gen Con. Um, mm-hmm. I taught a learning go- game of Blood Bowl with Trent, who has uh, been planning on joining the group for a while for Blood Bowl and Necromunda. Uh, he is bringing in a fresh team that we hadn't gotten to play before. He, he's playing yeah. the Corn team. So we actually have something that's not Undead or Orcs or Norse. <laughs> so that was really fun. Uh, having a team that almost entirely every guy on it has Frenzy, which is yeah. simultaneously very scary and hard to deal with and also not the best thing for his team sometimes. You can get very easily out of position with Frenzy. Um, we didn't end up playing the whole thing just because we were starting to run late. Um, but like the last round we were going to stop on, he ended up getting a last second touchdown with his lineman. So guess what we stopped at? A tie of one to one. I mean, if you're going to teach somebody new Blood Bowl, you might as well get them used to what the score of every fucking game is going to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, he had a ton of fun, though. He was it was one of those ones where like three rounds in. He's like, I fucking love this. I'm absolutely coming. Back oh, yeah. He's, he's all more. the fuck in for Blood Bowl. Yeah, because it's like like we've said several times. Easiest games workshop game to learn. Easiest one to teach. Easiest one to get prepared for because you only need one team and some dice and you're good to go so it's uh mm-hmm. it's a fun one and it's our weekly reminder play blood bowl y'all um 
after that, uh, I got a learner game of Frostgrave in with you and Matt. I had uh, yep. never really played it or heard of it before. I mean, it, it's it's a thing that I've heard about. Matt's talked about it several times, and then you've recently gotten into it, so I've heard about it. So uh, the, the last week when you told me you don't need to buy anything, uh, you just play with models you already have. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm 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 willing to learn. So I whipped out some of my old uh, goblin models, my Gloom Spike gets, and I built up a warband. And uh, it was fun to see those goofy little bastards out on the table again. Um, I would give the game a solid fun out of five. Uh, it's I I did join on a interesting scenario where uh, yeah you did <laughs> the the whole conceit of the game is you're playing a wizard and his warband and the wizard has an apprentice so those are your spellcasters and then you have thieves fighters etc cetera, etc cetera, as your backup. Uh, so the map I joined on, we were in some kind of like cursed hallway or something where magic was harder to cast. So every cast roll, unless you'd... it was illusion, yeah, unless it was illusion because it was like a hall of illusions. Uh, so every magic roll you did, you had to add plus two to the difficulty. So it's like, oh, this is a tenth level, sp- or uh, you need to get a ten to cast this spell. Okay, you just roll a ten or higher. Well, actually, it's a plus two. Oh, you're also casting that with your apprentice. Well, it's another plus two because they suck at magic. Oh, and it's not what your school's of magic that you're good at, so that's another plus two. So you actually need to get a sixteen or higher to cast this level ten spell. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so that was kind of an interesting one to get uh, introduced on, but uh, I had fun. I-, I would play it again for sure. Um, now that I kind of know what the hell I'm doing, I. I- I would also, you know, build warbands a little bit with more thought in mind, but I still picked some overall pretty decent spells. I felt like mm-hmm. uh, the only your, uh, your stealing of the treasure chest out from under Matt as he was running after it was pretty. pretty I had some fun. good telekinesis where I was nabbing really treasure chests. Uh, I was running away with the chests there for a bit until Matt killed one of my poor bastards who got out in the middle. Um, who ate some some cursed food that uh, you had to do like a willpower save against to eat and failed miserably because he's a dumbass goblin. So, you know. Um, only concern with that game is all the rolls are D20 based, so that can lead to some very swingy situations. But, yeah, no. Dice is dice. So, you just roll what you can and try and have fun. And overall, I had a pretty good time. Very cool. Um, and after that, the last one I played was... Another game with you. Uh, This time we did a Necromunda Beast Hunt. It was a four-way game between uh, my Ashwaste Nomads, Matt's Orlocks, Jeff's Goliaths, and Bobby's um, Vansar. And Tony was there to arbitrate because uh, Phil was not able to stick around that night. Um, And that was a kind of a bonkers game. Got a little little silly a little quickly. Um, Whole lot of... (laughs) <laughs> it would, so the basic premise was we had to hurt each other enough every time a person got seriously injured or flesh wounded um, like a beast tentacle would essentially come out of the ground and would just kind of like cordon off this area where if you got within six inches of it and ended your turn you'd get attacked by it and you did not want that to happen because they really really hurt they did like three damage yeah, on holy a smash shit, they were mean it was like strength seven and uh, yeah strength strength six uh, AP minus two, three damage, I think it was. Yeah, which was just brutal. So essentially, yeah. <laughs> if if he got a solid hit, even if you had good armor, your guy was probably going down. So yeah. it was pretty brutal. So people were so people were dropping like flies. Um, we ended up having a stupid amount of guys on the board because of underdog rules because Jeff brought his uh, his slaver guild guys, <laughs> which ended up adding which like skyrocketed him. 900 credits to everybody where it's like, oh, there's a big difference. So I decided to take five hive scum 
uh, and just give them a stub pistol and a hand flamer <laughs> to hit their, hit their 80 credits. So I'm just throwing flame templates around because Tony couldn't play with his Cawdor. So there was a, a vicious lack of fire. So I had yeah. to fill it up with, with my hand flamers. Um, and then I used a gang tactics card for the nomads where I got D3 free juves who come in with 20 credits worth of equipment. So of course I rolled uh, five on that and got three extra juves. So I just had like, I doubled my gang essentially, which was uh, pretty ridiculous. Uh, you were basically just playing a Caldor list, mass shitty bodies that chewed fire. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, slightly better <laughs> armor save, but yeah. Um, and then it just got goofy from there. Uh, my rocket launcher was driven insane by uh, Bobby's Chaos Vansar, which, uh, oh boy, I have a uh, real sticking point when it comes to the insanity rule in Necromunda. It really feels like that one needs to be FAQ'd. But, uh, if you ever want to see Andrew get the saltiest you'll ever see him, make one of his characters insane in Necromunda. I very much dislike rules that pretty much take away my agency as a player. Yeah. Not fun. Uh We'll get into it. So, the insane rule. Uh, whenever you're struck with something that causes insanity, you have to make a willpower check. Um, my willpower was a 7+, plus, so of course I rolled a 3. Uh, and then, once you're stuck in the insanity loop, it gets uh, silly. Because you roll a d6 whenever your, your ganger activates. On a 1 to 2, they count as broken. So they just run away and duck for cover. So that's just a wasted activation. On a three to four, the person that drove them insane gets to play with them as if they were one of their gangers, mm -hmm. which is uh, not fucking great. And then on a five or six, you get to act as usual. But at the end of that, you then have to make another willpower save. And if you fail, you just stay insane and you have to repeat the cycle. So I get a 33% chance to have a 58% chance to break my guy out of the insanity cycle. I don't like that. Anyway, that was the only unfun part of the game. The rest of it was just ridiculous. So my guys were up on gantry shooting down with their long rifles, just trying to pick people off. I had yet another two times where my, my gang leader uh, with a two-up ballistic skill only had to not roll a one to hit anybody. So, of course, he rolled a one every time. Um, oh, yeah had multiple uh idiots running around with hand flamers just catching shit on fire uh i was actually able to keep the vansar fairly well pinned with the hand flamers and then on my right side matt was coming in with kyle jericho who he had enough credits to hire <laughs> shit, and, that guy was awesome oh he's ridiculous and then he had a couple gangers who had uh firestorm shells for their shotguns so they're also shooting fire but like strength five ap1 fire so it's actually really dangerous as well as having the blaze <laughs> rule so it was it was just ludicrous and then jeff's pushing forward with his big fucking meatheads just smushing anybody that gets in his way and mm. then eventually the point is we have to destroy six of those tentacles and then once that's done then the actual like sump beast comes up we didn't have a great model for it so we used one of tony's storm fiends which was oh disregard i think a storm fiend was a perfect model for well, that as in we didn't have like a necromunda e model but it was still a very fun it's a giant mechanical rat in a sewer it doesn't get more necromunda than that hey it was it was a good stand-in for sure um so we brought him up and and that thing has eight wounds and it was toughness yeah. seven six no uh toughness seven strength six that's it yeah and so i was eight wounds five up armor and he can't be pinned so i was shooting pinned, but it can be caught on fire it can be caught on fire uh i was shooting the hell out of him but i barely made anything stick i think i took off one wound on it and then matt did all of the work with his uh firestorm yeah. shots uh, got it down the to firestorm and that plasma gun overcharging twice. Yeah, so he got it down to three wounds, and all he had to do was hit it once with his plasma. And unfortunately, the die that he rolled for it, it would have hit, but it was pretty well cocked, so he had to he had to re-roll it, which turned it into a one. So of course a miss. And then 
thankfully I was able to break out of insanity for a turn with my uh, my missile launcher guy and I rolled him over there and I shot him with a crack grenade which does three damage which was exactly what I needed to kill it so the Ash Waste Nomads won their second game of the whole campaign I finally did it oh boy <laughs> and things are looking up for old Millhouse yeah even though I've already decided that they're going to fuck off back into the wastes and I'm going to come back in with squats. But this at least leaves them with a good story to tell when they go back to the, you know, the nomad yeah. swap meet out in the desert. Um, you guys are never going to believe this shit. Yeah, exactly. So I got uh, 2d6 credits for, or 3d6 credits for 3D6 that. 3d6 times 10. And then uh, I also got d6 experience for killing the sump beast. And so my, my rocket launcher champion got five experience off of it, which is a lot. That is most of a level up. Yeah. So uh, it was a... It was a very silly time for the nomads. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty fun. Uh, four way Necromunda takes a while, so if you plan on doing that, be prepared to be playing like a two hour yeah. game at least. But uh, other than that, it was it was definitely fun. I would I would like to do it again on like a Saturday where I don't need to go to bed at a reasonable time. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, and that's all my games played. How about you? Other than the ones I've already talked about. Yeah, uh, so I had uh, one game with you that you just glazed over, Andrew. Did I? And that was the Blood Bowl game you and I played. My Norse versus your uh, Necromantic Horrors at your apartment. Oh, right, right, right. I totally forgot about that. Um, and for once, it did not end in a 1-1 one, one tie. It did not. I, it was 1-0, to zero, and I knocked at the door about four times to make it a 1-1 one, one tie, but just could not make it fucking stick. Yeah, there was some, uh, some not, you were definitely the iced dice this particular go around. Yeah, oof. Uh, especially considering, I think I had, what, seven people in the knocked out and casualty box? Yes, my werewolves. By the second half? My werewolves Good. went Fuck. wild in the first, like, four rounds. I killed your Valkyries right off the bat and knocked out yeah, one of your... Yeah, both my Valkyries, berserkers. one of my Ulfenwers, and one of my Berserkers, all in your, I think, first and second turn. I, I had some stupid lucky rolls. And then... You also had some really good rolls for knocking my guys out, but I have the regeneration oh, rule, and on a four up, they ignore that, that and come back. Rule. And I failed one of those the entire game. So it was... out of like five or six, hmm? out of like five or six, yeah. Too. And it was just for a zombie lineman who was worth yeah. nothing. So it was just like, oh, okay, cool. So yeah, that was definitely a uh, pretty handy uh, n- n- necromantic horrors lead. I wanted to say Norse horrors. I had. I had teams on the brain. Well, it was definitely a horror for the Norse that came. For sure. Um, but yeah. you did get to finally play with your new Yeti model, which was very well painted and I very, did. Did very cool and thematic on the board. And that thing is huge. And if it you, is. Uh, his arm sticks out a little far from my liking, so he gets caught on things sometimes. Yeah, if you if you turn him, because a, a standard thing to do in Blood Bowl, when a player is done, you turn the model around so you know he's not able to go again. Otherwise, it gets a little confusing. And so when you turn this chunk of resin around, he like those lines models with his pointing arm it's a little precarious but it's a very cool model otherwise it's the uh, the yeti star player uh that i can never remember his name soft pelt or something like that Uh, it doesn't matter snorry snow pelt i don't know what he plays with him because he's not a very good player but yeah he's like twice as expensive as a yeti and almost identical with like one other little rule that's mediocre yeah so Tony just uses him as a proxy for an actual Yeti. Because it looks cool as shit. It does. I don't really like the normal Yeti model. It doesn't have that much character to it. It's fine. I mean, it's it's a solid... It's, it's a well-sculpted model. It's a Yeti. I mean, it does what it means yeah, to do. it's a Yeti. But there's nothing special about it, really. This the, the, the star player really has that, like, Blood Bowl goofy feel to it. Yeah, that that's the thing about the normal Norse Yeti. Like, it, it looks more Warhammer fantasy than it does 
Blood Bowl to me. Yeah, no, for sure. I could definitely see a unit of three of those guys charging in as an elite or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I actually have one more thing of hobby progress. It's a purchase. Yeah. Uh, I, I bought one of those metal ball rings um, for the game, which not just a normal metal ball ring, but uh, for Blood Bowl, one of the ones like Matt has. Oh, the ball, oh, markers. The ball marker. Yeah. Okay. I was <laughs> yeah, really metal confused. Ball ring. I was like, why are you bringing this up on the podcast? Great hobby progress, brother. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that makes Bought sense. Bought a metal ball ring from the internet. It should be here right before we get to Nova. Real excited to give it a try, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Real excited to use it all weekend. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying... So when we get to Nova, no guarantees, because I get paid while I'm there, so that's a really dangerous thing. But uh, I'm going to try not to go crazy on the models, but I do want to get a lot of, like, hobby tools. So stuff like having markers for Blood Bowl and things like that Mm -hmm. is definitely uh, planned purchases. I want to go for uh, more useful general hobby stuff than just, oh, look at that model. Oh, look at that model. (laughs) Yeah. Um, while I'm there, you know, I, t- I told you and Matt not to let me buy a Warhound. Uh, so, listeners, if you see me at Nova and you see me with a Warhound in my hands, tell me to put it the fuck down because I don't have self-control. I have, and um... Danielle is a fucking enabler, by the way. Oh, did she tell you to get it? Follow your <laughs> well, bliss? I, yeah, I was I was talking to her about that. I was like, yeah, I was like, because, you know, I don't have self-control for something like that. And she's like, well, you have the money for it, right? I was like, yeah. She's like, and you want it? Yeah. Then get it. No, because I shouldn't. (laughs) She's like, just get it if you want it. I would say "Ah, if you did get it, you would have to make a pact with yourself to have it built and painted within two months. Like, you you need to give yourself a deadline and a hard one if you're going to get something like that. Uh, I have said I will not enable you, but I will also not say no if I see it in your hands. So (laughs) I'm I'm not going to be the devil or the angel. I am going to be, you know, the neutral party from the gray planet from Futurama. Fair, fair. Tell my wife I said oh, hello. <laughs> uh, I did. Uh, I did have one other game as well, a Necromunda game. It was my Cawdor versus uh, Bobby's Vansar, and it was a mean as shit tunnel fight. Um, I don't even remember the territory we fought over. To be totally honest, what was the territory we fought over? Was it the Prometheum cache, or was that a different one? No, she already had Prometheum. Oh, Bone Shrines. Oh, yeah, it was the Caldor territory. You the Caldor one, right? Yeah, I finally wanted a territory that would be, you know, good for me. Because I've got two Goliath territories and a generator so far. Um, but yeah, so with both of us being able to infiltrate things through tunnels, and her having three things with incendiary charges, and me having a shitload of flamethrower attacks, and her being able to take control of a thing with insanity, like, that game turned into just an absolute brutal slugfest, where at one point I had six of her seven gangers on fire, and the other was seriously injured. This was happening while I was teaching Trent Blood Bowl, yeah. and so I'd just look over, yeah. and I'd just see nothing but blaze tokens, and, like, Bobby with her head in her hands, and then Tony, like, stroking his beard, just like, how the fuck am I going to kill this? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, because I couldn't make anything stick. Like, I was catching all her shit on fire, but I could not break armor or make a wound stick to save my fucking life. Yeah. Uh, so, luckily, it was the one where we had to get, I had to, like, get these crates to secure it, and she was just all over them. And I ended up getting close enough with her gang on fire where she voluntarily bottled because the next turn, 
we probably each would have had about four people go out of action, which would have been a lot worse for her than it was for me. Yeah. You, uh, just because I was able to get all my shit in the hallway with her. You got uh, loads of disposable dipshits as Cotor. Yeah. Like, I will gladly kamikaze charge my fucking 20 credit juve with a pistol in there to try and coup de gras like a 400 credit Vansar guy. Yeah. Like, I will I will trade up like that all day. Oh, that's day. so worth it. I think uh, oh, yeah. the only, like, overpriced model you have is probably the Zealot with the Execution, or the Eviscerator. Oh, you mean shitty McUseless? Yeah, like, it's a really cool model, Jesus. and it's a really cool idea, but it's like, okay, when you actually look at it, it's Juve, who is the most dipshittest of dipshits in Necromunda, who gets, like, two attacks on the charge with this really awesome yeah. weapon. But they're gonna four up. But they're gonna miss. Like, it's, it's the same problem I had whenever I played Cawdor in the last campaign, because I think he succeeded in killing one person the entire game. I use him more for just a really expensive, slightly faster-moving flame template. Yeah, he does have a flamethrower, which is really useful, but, like, at that point, just buy another blunderpole. Or yeah, buy the eviscerator for your melee-specific leader, because, oh, they, they could wreck shop yeah. with that. Oh, I did. My leader does now have a power axe and a plasma pistol. Ooh, that is scary. So he's a little mean. Ooh. I, yeah. I do already have my squats list built for when they come in in week four. And uh, nice. they don't come in with tons of skills or anything because, you know, we're trying to make it even. But Phil did uh, do the arbitratorly thing and tell, give me 1,500 credits to build with since you normally start with 1,000. Nice. I, yeah. I, I got a lot of bolters coming your way. <laughs> it's going to yeah, be a good time me, with my tiny little four-inch moving legs. <laughs> your tiny little four-inch moving legs and you're having to make target priority to not shoot a 20-credit juve out of the way. Yep, it's going to be a fun time. Can't wait for them to also be cursed and fail to hit anything. Oh, we can only hope. Oh, yeah, we'll see. Oh, so uh, there's been a lot of Warcom articles since the last time we recorded. Uh, we're not going to go into detail over every one of them because there's like five of them a fucking week. Yeah, we'll just... Uh, uh, Andrew, what are some... Uh, let, let's just kind of cherry pick some. Well, I've, Pick one that's stuck out to you and then we'll just take some turns. Well, I've legitimately got like an entire page of it here so I can rapid fire, <laughs> but uh, we'll start off with the big ones. We got some new Necromunda shit incoming. Um, mm-hmm. We have Vunder and Gayan Gorvos, the gunk producers. Uh, I think Gayan is the gunk queen, so they're like... Uh, uh, outlaw specific um, dramatis personae who are they, they they produce gunk shots and gunk grenades which if you don't know what that does it makes your gangers move slower and they're also uh, essentially covered in oil so if you hit them with a flame yeah. tipple up and they flammable. automatically burst into flames and take bonus damage so uh, they're pretty cool I like um, what is it Vunder's like weird little sump creature that he has is like a I don't know, combination pirate parrot slash monkey kind of thing. <laughs> that one's pretty fun. Uh, pretty dynamic, very cool. Oh, excuse me. The atomic oh, pumpkins goodness. kicking back. Um, pretty dynamic, very cool models. Like them a lot. Um, we also got some uh, fresh models for your Escher gang. We got mm-hmm. a shiver, which is it's got like some kind of like. I don't know, scrying servo skull. They look like they're kind of like yeah. a like a voodoo kind of vibe going on, which is not what I would think with the name Shiver. I would think it's like yeah. Well, uh, the Shiver's the the poison maker chick. Yeah, so I'm not super so, not super sure what the voodoo vibe is. It's a cool model though. Don't get me wrong. Apparently, they also have a uh, precognitive talents. Interesting. Uh, hmm. Do they have like bonus abilities? I didn't read the article for them. Um, I don't know. Well, while you're looking that uh, up, there is yep. also the uh, the Clan Chemist, which is a big model for the Eshers. Uh, if you buy one of them, you get your chemical brews for a lot cheaper, and I think you can re-roll on which ones you get or something like that. 
Um, so they're they're if it's not a, a rogue doc, then that's probably the first hanger on you want to get with an Escher gang. And so now they have an actual model for it, which is really cool. Oh, okay. I thought the Shiver was the clan chemist. I thought it was the same thing. Apparently they're not. So hmm. uh, I don't know what the fuck a Shiver does. Uh, other than have a bow in their hair, have a weird servo skull. Yeah, it's a cool model. And a moderately psychic. It is a cool model. Apparently it's a uh, a mystery is what it is. Um, continuing the Necromunda train, there is the Cinderac Rising campaign book that is coming out soon. Um, looking into the article, it's going to be a mix of Sector Mechanicus, Zomortalis, and Ashways fights. So it's going to be in and around the main hive. Um Apparently, Lord Helmar, the, the governor of the planet, is grievously injured after an assassination attempt. And so people are trying to, like, mix up the uh, the hierarchy of the hive, etc., etc., Warhammer-y type stuff. Um, I like the idea of having a reason to put mix in Ash Wastes as well as the standard Zomortalis Sector Mechanicus type mm-hmm. stuff, though. So that should be a fun one. Uh, and for those of you with an Escher or Goliath gang, they're going to get uh, some fresh rules updates in there, as well as apparently some new named characters, too. As long as it doesn't get the the rules blow like 40k has, where they release a damn book a week on it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Necromunda is already a hard enough game to learn and keep track of all the rules. As I've said in the group before, there's definitely times where we've played matches and people do stuff where I'm like, you can do that. I kind of feel like a uh, yeah. I'm taking a test I forgot to study for sometimes. So I can I definitely hope it doesn't get too much more in the way of rules, or they find a way to consolidate them down to a book that's not written like a fucking monkey wrote it, but. Hey, you know, we can't all be perfect. So. <laughs> uh, anything jump out at you, Tony, for recent Warcom articles? Uh, yeah, there's one big one. So I enjoy Kill Team as much as the next guy. It's a solid, fun game, but I've it's never... It's a solid triangle out of Pentagon. It's a solid triangle out of Pentagon. Uh, I've never seen, like, one of the box sets that, like, I was all in for, but this new one... Uh, Into the Dark, holy fuck. That is so up my alley. Cool. It's got that badass crew kill team in it. That I, I like the crew. I've always liked the crew. They're why I like Tau back in 3rd edition. Uh, great models in that. Love the uh, Shaper throwback to the old um, Games Day exclusive model. And then it's also got the Breacher team. Which is like... <sighs> I'm trying to think of a way to describe them it's it's like half inquisitor looking stuff mixed with weird diving gear looking stuff as well yeah it's definitely like like archaic space like 50 sci-fi look to them well to put those of you who haven't seen it uh in the, the right mind space they have helmets that look like the cylons from battlestar galactica which is yes an interesting yeah, choice um but then they also have like these kind of like thick jackets that they have but they have like pauldrons mm. and Kind of like a uh, a gorget kind of thing around their neck that the helmet cinches into. It's uh, pretty interesting. It definitely does have like a diving aesthetic, like Tony said. They uh they got a pretty sweet telescope tractor. Yeah, they got a they got a little little beep beep rowboat like fucking dog thing. It's it's interesting. Uh, they got a guy yeah. the breacher shield with a, oh, a triple barrel shotgun. <laughs> I think the bottom one is a light. Maybe. But I, I love that it's got the rack that it sets into, so you can just rack the fucking, the actual pump on the shield. I like that they have a bomb disposal guy who just has, like, I don't know, a quarter foot worth of material in front of his chest, and otherwise he's dressed exactly the same as everyone oh, else. Yeah. yeah, they're EOD tech. Yeah. 
Uh, they have a guy with a, a chain fist, which looks pretty rad. Um, mm-hmm. Just some really cool dynamic poses. There's a guy the, with a fu- the, the a, breaching axe. He's got a fire axe. It's, yeah, it's awesome. But it's a power fire axe because there is a battery yeah. on the side of it. Uh, oh shit, there is. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I had the first thought where I'm like, why would they just send this idiot in with just an axe? Oh no, it's a lightsaber axe. Got it. Okay. Yeah. The real question is, why does he just have a fucking las cutter? Uh, because you don't get that dynamic pose. Fair enough. Uh, the Crute also have a badass, like, bow rifle thing. It's very Wookiee. No, yeah. like, it's not quite the bow caster that Chewbacca has, but it's not far off either. My favorite of the Crute yeah. is probably... Pro- like peg leg? I was going to say either peg leg or... Ooh, well. Okay, it's a, tr- it's a triple way tie between peg leg, oh, okay. uh, the guy who has the pick and the knife, because I do love me a, du- a dual melee idiot in the, the yeah. kill team boxes, and the guy with the... I, I like uh, his mask. The guy with the uh, the rifle that has his bird, because, you know, yeah. why, why not bring your pet bird with you when you go to raid a space hulk? Sure. I, uh, I definitely think that this kill team, I'm going to paint up in a dustier style, that way I can use them as Ash Waste Nomads as well. Yeah, because they do... Tony and I were talking about it last time we played Necromunda. They they kind of fit all of the criteria of the Nomads mm-hmm. where they're, they're Xenos, so they're inherently going to be an outlaw gang. They have pretty much all long rifle and sniper rifle hit and run tactics uh they they ride into battle on giant beasts i mean they could pretty easily be proxied as ash waste nomads yeah and i like the look of the crew more than the nomads they're just not my favorite models the crew i'm not massively huge on i think i don't know this this particular i I really think it's the colors i think if they went wackier with the color scheme i would like them a little more um the sculpts are if you end up getting this box set and you don't want the crew i will gladly buy them off of It's it's a good one to get because uh, the fucking terrain, the terrain is the terrain is perfect for Zone Mortalis Necromunda crap. stuff. Even if you don't play Kill Team, fifty four walls, doors, and pipes. Yeah, like it genuinely fifty four. Even if I don't keep any of the stuff in it, 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 except for the walls, like it's probably worth it just for the terrain. And here's the fun part: if you read the little thing on it, it says that it's completely compatible with everything else, which we already knew. But the next set arrives in three months with a whole new set of compatible Space Hulk scenery. Oh, I did not know Which means more Zone Mortalis scenery. So, oh, I wonder what teams it would be. Because when they first announced this, they had an Imperial Inquisition logo, so I assumed it was going to be Inquisition. But apparently that's also the logo mostly for the uh, Imperial Navy. So that was a little bit of a uh, a gotcha on that one, which is fine because those are cool models. I did not expect Crute at all. I assumed it was going to be Chaos or Orcs or Tyranids because those are like the three things you find in a Space Hulk most of the time. So I guess the next go around might be the Chaos, Orcs, or Tyranid guys. Well, they've done done a Chaos one recently. They've done an Orc one recently. They haven't done a Tyranid one. Yeah, they have done like a yeah like a specific one for Kill Team. They've they've had the rules yeah. and released like you know here's two Gene Stealers, here's a Warrior boxes, etc. I I feel like it will be a Kill Team that's like three Terminators and Gene Stealers, or like three term oh like actually go like original Space like Hulk, actual go Space Hulk. That would be cool if they changed it where it's Chaos Terminators instead of uh, Blood Angels this time. Yeah, but you you just got a chaos set too. Yeah, yeah, but it would be a different flavor of chaos because we get we get an imperial sure. unit in damn near every box set. So, oh well, yeah, imperials are cash cow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. They they can they can double up. Chaos is probably I don't know the statistics at all. I'm just pulling it out of my ass. But chaos is probably top. It's either probably second best or third best selling of the 40k lines. 
just because yeah. they have if, if if you go with mixed chaos where you know death guard fucking thousand suns and so on but anyway well, all right cool walk so what's uh what's the next thing that bumped out at you oh well we gotta go with uh our weekly votan watch uh, yeah, we'll go through the a fucking fast. vacuum boys <laughs> well there's one that i like uh, a pretty good bit which is the uh the sagittar which uh some people played mass effect when they got the inspiration for this one <laughs> this is sagittar which one's the sagittar it's the one that's essentially the mako from mass effect oh yeah that fucking thing yes god damn it that's a cool one i actually like that model a lot like even if i don't end up playing leagues of otan that's a good one for ash waste because that is like the perfect like rugged terrain buggy kind of vibe um has a dual cockpit so you can have two pilots for it big gun on the back etc uh just very solid all around all terrain kind of vehicle look i like that a lot uh, next up, we got the Chthonian Berserkers, right. which is I got, I got words to say on this one after kind of same. This one's not super great for me. Um, they they went with the nice shirtless dwarf vibe and gave them big fucking hammers and axes and stuff, and you know they were like lasers and things, which is cool. Uh, where's the Mohawks and the beards? <laughs> yep, that's one of my big issues with it. Uh, I'm also not huge on the color scheme they've chosen, but we've said that before with Leagues of Otan stuff. Like, I just, yeah. they're very uninspired colors. Um, on the whole, I think the Chthonian Berserkers are like a good baseline model with some head swaps because they have a female the, model, which is pretty good. They're they're not they're not Berserkers. That's that's one of my issues. They're Chthonian Berserks. Oh, is it Berserks? Not Berserkers. They are Berserks. Oh, wow! That actually does knock a point off for me. Then that's that's yeah, because really it's dumb. dumb as shit. I will. I will always call them berserkers because that's stupid. Yeah. Ugh, okay. I love the dual fist guy. The dual, dual fist, fist guy is the great. one redeeming thing in the box. Because everybody always thought that for you know multiple editions where it's like, what if I build my space marine with two power fists? Can I do that? What if he gets that one extra power fist attack? <laughs> exactly. Um, I'll spend thirty five points for a power fist attack. And I know they want to like mix it up and be like dwarves aren't defined by their beards, and you know these are so ostensibly like future slayer models so like oh they don't have to have mohawks but i want beards and i want mohawks so if for some reason i ever get this kit i'm getting a head swap yeah um then there's the dude with the cool fire axe thing the axe thing looks neat the weird six pack on his head does not (laughs) yeah there's definitely some because he's got like a weird weird design weird like brow ridge thing going on so it looks like his eyebrow has muscles it's very strange like he obviously has some muscle but it looks like his eyebrows are yoked (laughs) (laughs) uh the the other big issue i have with him is chthonian berserk yeah implying they're from the planet that horus lupercal is from yeah I'd Which, like, I get it. Like, Chthonia means from, like, uh, the, the dark, the unknown, the underworld, yada yada. But that's a weird choice, considering the whole big bad of the Warhammer universe is from Chthonia. Yeah, like, there's definitely some some term overlap. Like, there's Gene Stealer Abominance, and I was a Chaos Knight Abominant. So you get some stuff like that on occasion. But you think they'd be like, oh, fucking Horus Lupercal, the arch traitor yeah. of Chaos. We'd leave his stuff alone so nobody else gets any of his fun words. But I guess they didn't care so much on this one yeah but yeah the the two the two big things uh for me that i don't like are the stupid six-pack forehead and the fact they're called berserks and not berserkers yeah i'm I'm glad you pointed that out because i did not know that yeah 
Yeah, enjoy not enjoying that anymore. Yeah, that did that did honestly <laughs> knock them down a peg. Um, <laughs> and I've seen a lot of people online talking about like, oh, well, they sh- they wouldn't have long beards because they'd need you know they need to have helmet seals and a beard would get in the way of that. These motherfuckers. Oh, fuck off! Have you seen Space Wolves? These motherfuckers aren't wearing shirts. That's not something they should worry about. <laughs> they should have beards. <laughs> Like, they have goatees and, like, scruffy short beards, but that's not the fucking same. So, if I ever get this kit, I will be sculpting or head-swapping some beards on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then they released one more. Oh, yeah. Well. We got the... Uh, they already showed off one of these not too long ago, but we also got... Uh, let me get the dumb term. The Hernkin Pioneers, which are the hover bikers, which, uh... Hey, they're okay. <laughs> I don't have much mean or positive to say about them. I don't love the vacuum bottoms for their hover hover pads, but everything else about them is pretty okay. The design aesthetic is inconsistent to me because everything else leaves a Votant is like shirtless. These dudes are wearing thick ass winter coats. Yeah, I guess it's because they, you know, get up to speed and it's chilly, but yeah, I don't know. I like the actual hover bike it's- apart from the, the pads. It's definitely yeah. the same kind of like 50s bubble design that the rest of their stuff has. Uh, Jez Goodwin was one of the designers of it, which is why it's got redeeming qualities. Yeah, no, like it's there's definitely a lot positive about most of the Votan stuff they've showed off. Just most of the kits have one little thing that I'm not super big on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, it's just the paint scheme. I want to see some wackier color schemes once these are out. I want to see how other people paint them because I really think that could redeem a lot of these kits in my eye. Yeah. Uh, and well, that, I do like the triple barrel auto cannon looking that, thing. That is cool. They got some really cool guns. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for Votan Watch this week. Thank Christ. <laughs> um, let's see. Next up, my big one would be uh, Bellacor's Chosen, a new war band from yeah, Warcry. They're really cool looking. Very like Chaos Knight kind of aesthetic. Uh, they're not quite as like heavy on the plate mail as Chaos Knights tend to be, though. These guys have like, uh, they look like they have Gambisons and like um, Splint Mail type stuff on. Good like leather shirts, but they have really cool shields that have like Bellacor's head on them. Um, just kind of cool all around, like, I don't know, militiamen of Chaos kind of vibe. Yeah, they they don't look like full on chaos warriors, so they still fit with that aesthetic of war cry, yeah. of fighters proving themselves to make it into the ranks of warriors and stuff. They look like uh, uh, toughness wise, they'd probably be up there with like the iron golems, the kind of that that level of armor. But uh, they actually um, wear shirts and stuff shit. under their armor, which is good. Well, that one guy with the shield has fucking toughness five, so that's pretty goddamn up there. Does he? I don't know the stats on them at all. I haven't looked at that. Cause yeah, I don't... toughness 5, 4 movement, 12 wounds. Don't really know how to play 95 points. Uh, 1 attack, or 4 attacks within 1 inch range of melee. Uh, strength 4, 1 damage, 3 on a crit. Well, that's not bad. Good. Like, it's not a bad stat line. Yeah, I think it's just a basic um, guy. They don't, they don't hit very hard, but he's very tough. Yeah. Um, they're just they're really uh, cool aesthetic. I definitely like them. And since I own a Bellacore now, I'll probably end up yeah. buying a couple boxes of them. Yeah, uh, it's one of the few horned helmets that I've actually liked that they've put out in the Sigmar range. Yeah, it's... Uh, or the horned helmets these guys have. As always, showing up the Lumineth. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but uh, It's also got the coolest piece of scenery we've seen so far for Warcry, and it doesn't tell you what box it's in, and it's not released, and it's a fucking cow being roasted over a fire. Um, that... I'm looking at it in detail now. That might actually be a kit bash that is exactly the same as the cow that's on a normal giants kit 
Oh, it, it'd be weird if they did the kit bash in this, though. Here. They usually don't me, for stuff like this. Let me this. grab one. Let me roll over to the other side of my room real quick. I got a giant with a cow on it. Uh, not that one. Hang on. I got multiple giants. Oh, here we go. I believe in you. So, yeah. I, uh, I am holding it up, and that is 100% the same cow. Yes, absolutely. Oh, well, that's soul-crushing. Maybe it comes in the kit. I mean, it's a really well-sculpted cow, so it's possible they just wanted to reuse that. Mm. But that is that is a good conversion, though, if that's what they did. What are the flames off of, then? That's a good question. I really don't know. I wonder if they're the flames off of... Um, uh, there's, like, that scythe that has the flames behind it, the endless spell. Uh... Give me a second. I'm trying to put my giant back without smooshing some other walls. You're good. Got it. Yeah, and then I I thought it might be a new one because it's also got the crates or the chest and the barrels there that we haven't seen before either. Yeah, it looks... I don't know if it's like a kit bash of the new Heart of Gur stuff or if it's like a new kit that's getting teased later on because they do occasionally like to release smaller terrain kits that aren't the huge Mm -hmm. jumbo two-team kit. So, I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. Yeah, we can hope. Um, same article, they also continued to tease the Centaurian Marshal, which is the big uh, uh, centaur dude that's got four arms and has the gladiator aesthetic, and I'm absolutely buying one as soon as they come out, because that's cool as shit. Um, yeah, I guess I guess he works like a um, uh, like the Myrmidon and stuff like that, like the Ogroids and things. Yeah, I think he's like a neutral guy that any of your warbands can get if you have the points for it. Gotcha. So yeah, it's probably. I just I love that uh, that style helmet. Fuck, what is that style helmet called? Oh yeah, the one that looks kind of like a uh, a colander for straining spaghetti, but a, a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for instead of spaghetti, it's brain matter. That would imply it'd be his brain matter. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's a lot of big maces and fucking flails in this game. Yeah, apparently this guy's mean though, because he has the capacity to was his ability skewer, drag, and bludgeon. So if you're far away, he can harpoon you, pull you forward, and hit you. Which uh, I don't know much about Warcry, but that sounds like a lot. It does sound like a lot. Uh, Matt was talking about how they played the most recent edition at Gen Con, and uh, apparently it's super fun. So I'm probably going to learn how to do it either before Nova or at Nova. So I'll I'll bring Warband with me. Oop, smack my beer yeah, into my I gotta, I gotta get these. Yeah. I gotta get these guys finished up. Speaking of beer, let's go into number two. Number two. What are also a hazy IPA. Oh, one of those nights have multiple. Is this the first multiple beer that you've had on the podcast? I think it's the first multiple beer that I've called out. Oh, okay. That's fair. Uh, what the fuck is... Oh, ooh, these are 6.2s. Oh, so we'll be, we'll be hearing it by the end of the episode, probably. Uh, I'll probably get a little burpy. Well, you're keeping up with me, then. Um, let's see, after Bellacor's chosen. Uh, There's been a, a new uh, Middle Earth strategy battle game. Yes. The whole whole new set of that. Battle for us, uh, Gileath box. Yeah, that's a good looking box too. There's some good stuff. Um, it doesn't have the amount of miniatures in it that... Battle for Pelennor um, Fields. Battle, uh, yeah, Battle for Pelennor Thing. I kept wanting to say Perth. I'm like, that's not fucking right. Not even close. But it's Australia. It's yeah, exactly <laughs> close. Uh, it does have some of the harder to get kits. Actually, uh, the Rangers of uh, Gondor, or whatever the fuck the actual kit is called, Rangers of the North. I think it's Rangers of Gondor. Actually, yeah, there. That's actually a really hard kit to get. It's almost always out of stock and has been for like three years. And then you get your Gondorian soldiers. And you actually get um, Faramir. Uh, f- 
yeah, Faramir, Mudril, and Damrod. I think. Which are three really good heroes. Are those new models? I've never seen that Faramir They before. are. Those are brand new models for them in uh, plastic instead of Forge World resin. Nice. That's always or, nice. Or, uh, actually, they might have... Faramir, I think you could get in white cast metal because, oddly enough, Lord of the Ring minis were very rarely fine cast. Most of them were metal. Yeah, they were at that. A couple were fine cast, and the rest were Forge World. They were at that interesting phase where, like, they were released shortly after the movies came out, and so you were at that like early two thousands Games Workshop where they were doing mostly metal stuff still, and then you know, where mostly metal for like heroes, and then plastic for everything else, and then I guess it just wasn't popular enough where they felt the need to go to fine cast for a lot of their stuff like they did with forty k. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, yeah. So, so your good side, you've got. A set of rangers, a set of Gondor foot soldiers, and three heroes instead of the Battle for Pelennor Fields where you had, I think it was eight, eight riders of Rohan mounted and then on foot. Because, you know, when they get dismounted, you got to have the foot model. Um, oh my god, I can't think of his fucking name. The King. Uh, Theoden. I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like, fuck, what the hell's his name? And then you also got uh, like 12 or 14 of the Army of the Dead. That's an interesting uh, the, mix. Yeah. It, it is, it is. That's, um, that's not a coherent army by the rules of the game, right? It is. Or do they have... It, it's still it's still good side, yeah. It's, oh, okay. It's, I, I thought you had to yeah. be like Rohan and Army of the Dead and the... You get you get a little bit more synergy with stuff like that, but the Army of the Dead was like a weird pseudo-neutral army. Okay. That you could mix with any of them as long as you had Aragorn. Ah, so you couldn't, couldn't do Army of the Dead for your evil team. Right. Oh, and I guess... Uh, no, there wasn't an Aragorn in that box. Interesting. Well, that's weird. Pretty much everyone's got an Aragorn, though. Uh, and then the evil side is almost identical. Uh, you get the 24 Moran and Orcs and a Mordor Troll like you did in Pelennor Fields. But instead of the Witch King on a Fell Beast, you get Gothmog on a Warg. I mean, it's a cool model. Gothmog was a really visually striking, mm -hmm. uh, interesting dude in the movies. But uh, doesn't quite stack up to the fucking Witch King of Angmar, let's be real. But you get terrain in this one, which you didn't get in the other box. It's true. It's uh it's it's decent terrain. It's it's like it's yeah. it's fairly neutral. It does its job. It it's it's perfect for Lord of the Rings or for Frostgrave. Yeah. Uh because it's a slightly smaller scale. The Lord of the Rings game is a smaller scale than 40k and Age of Sigmar. Yeah, it's definitely it's more of your true scale. Definitely not heroic scale, that's for sure. No. What are these? That's like 25 mil or something. Uh, mm, maybe, sure. Let's go. Maybe with that. 28. But yeah, the, other than like the Mordor troll or mounted guys, everybody's on the same size base. Which uh, yeah, everyone's on 25s, which is not the same as 40k or Age of Sigmar. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then they also released a whole bunch of other heroes for it. Yeah. Uh, you got. Glorfindale mounted for the first time. We haven't seen that before. Uh, a bunch of... It's mostly Elvish heroes that they're releasing. Hang on, I've got notes for it. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah. So we get, get Elrond, Glorfindel, Rumiel, and Orofin. Uh You get yeah. Galadrim Court Guards. Uh, it's just a Galadrim Court Guards are really nice. Yeah, a lot like, of... They're beautiful minis. A lot of very cool... It, like this is an elf aesthetic I like. Probably a little biased because I love the Lord of the Rings movies. Tolkien um, elves. Yeah, it's a uh, it's high elves, but not goofy like original Warhammer fantasy. And it's also not fucking cow elves like Age of Sigmar. So yeah. it's it's a good like mid ground. They got that like elegant vibe, but they're they look like they could take a hit. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the the Lord of the Rings game is actually really good. Well, they also did new. Um, 
army in a box battle host boxes. So you get uh, Mordor, Isengard, Minas Tirith, and Rohan. So that's pretty fun. Uh, so if I ever end up getting into Middle-earth, this is probably the best time to do it. Exactly. Uh, we'll see. As always, got a hell of a backlog. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they've released a price point on the battle host box. They haven't. Yet, they don't look too crazy, though. Just It's like 20, 30 models at most, so it doesn't look like it would be too super expensive. Yeah, it's it looks like each of these boxes are two boxes of troops and then a hero. Yeah. Uh, which is about, like, $100 a model. So you'll probably get a little bit of savings. So they're probably... It'll probably be, like, an 85 yeah. or a $90 box. Which, I mean, that's all you need to play this game, though, is the thing. Like, that that's a full buy-in, these war hosts. Yeah, so... Battle hosts, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Who knows? Eventually, I might get into it. Might also be the way to get my girlfriend into miniature gaming because she really likes Lord of the Rings, so, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, if she needs some fucking Moran and Orcs, I got, like, three start sets worth of the damn thing. <laughs> well, we'll see. I'll, I'll give it a few plays before I try and be like, hey, you want to buy some models for yourself? <laughs> no, I got them for D&D minis because mm. you could get them for just dirt fucking cheap. Oh, yeah, it's the same scale, so it's perfect for that. Mm -hmm. I've actually got the fucking Fell Beast right next to me. Still unpainted after having it for, like, three years. <laughs> <laughs> One day you'll get to your fucking outrageous backlog. Yeah, probably not. Uh, let's see. So after Lord of the Rings, we got a little bit of Blood Bowl. Um, there was some heresy stuff. That's enough talk about that. Uh, we'll just do it real fast. In Plastic <laughs> coming out soon. Sikarin Battle, Battle Tank, Spartan Assault Tank, Contemptor Dread, Leviathan Siege Dread with the ranged options, uh, Tartarus and Cataphracti Terminator suits. That's it. That's all we need to talk about. Horus Heresy, y'all. Yep, cool. All right. Uh, Blood Bowl hasn't had much talked about. Yeah, they're doing a, a pitch for the Elven Union team as well as some cards. So, you know. Uh, the weird Frog Witch star player. Uh, Estelle Veno, the Frog Witch for the Amazons. Yeah, I don't like that model. I'm not huge on it. It's it's an okay sculpt. I don't know. It's it's a real, like, 90s sculpt. It's just a weird one for the Amazon aesthetic they're going for. Like, she's got all the super colorful frogs and stuff on her, of course. But, like, I don't know. It's an interesting one to have, like, these lithe or very beefy women. Just, like, you know, all around super fit. And then you get this weird old hag lady. And it's like, ah, okay. I don't Sure. I mean, I guess I really shouldn't say much because their other star player is a fucking snake person, but, like, I don't know. This one's close <laughs> enough to an Amazon without being an Amazon. Uh, I don't know. It's it's fine. It's a, it's a well-sculpted mini. It's well-painted. It just doesn't... It's okay. Uh, there's a new Lumineth um, unit. It's a Lumineth, I so I don't feel the need to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> uh, so these actually look kind of neat. They look like the old High Elf Swordmasters. Yeah, the, they're a little uh, bit closer to like actual good-looking elves. Like, yeah. But again, the elf aesthetic is just okay in general for me, so whatever. Yeah, the Lord of the Rings elves are fucking cooler. Oh, way better. Um, uh, there was a there's a codex tease though, Andrew. Did you see what what dropped today? Uh, demons, right? Demons, chaos demons for forty k. Yeah, they teased that a little while ago, but they're just teasing more and more rules as time goes on. So that's fun. Uh, demons have been one of those fucking island of misfit toys codexes for a while now. So hopefully this one will uh, make them a little more fair and balanced for everybody. Uh, I don't want to have to remember two saves for every unit, though. I'm not. Did going you to. see that article? I, I haven't read it because even though I got a chaos knights box, I'm still not super interested in playing forty k at the moment. Like I, I, I like the flavor it gives them. Basically, all of the demon models have a save against close combat weapons and a save against ballistic skill weapons. That's And their saves against close combat weapons are generally a 
decent margin worse because in all the fluff the way to kill demons is close combat like it specifically talks about something about the the touch of the sword is like more more of a bane to them that's dumb (laughs) i think it's interesting (laughs) it's interesting but that's it two saves like that's going to be confusing it's going to be I don't know, that on top of, like, invuln saves and fucking feel no pains and stuff. I think that's going to get confusing yeah. real fast. Well, good thing we don't play 40k that much. Good thing we don't play demons. <laughs> um, speaking of demons, uh, getting onto the chaos side of things, uh, the day we were going to originally record this was the day that they released a lot of corn news. Main one. Oh, yeah. That... Uh, we are getting new corn berserkers finally. They teased that these were coming. They, cool. they were in uh, one of those potato quality pictures that we'd seen, which I'm still pretty convinced Games Workshop is releasing. Um, and the model they showed off looks good. It's very in line with the current Chaos Marines that they've released. Just has corn gubbins on it. You get the corn marks and you get the goofy bunny ears and everything. Look, looks solid. Very, very good update to that good, goofy old kit. Yeah, a good throwback or callback to a lot of the old aesthetic to it, but still doofy as shit corn that we know and love. Yep, you, you get the bunny ears no matter what. Um, I do like the picture of the old one versus the new one, and oh, it is a night and day difference. Those, <laughs> yeah, it's, those old it's models. significant. Those old models did not look good when they came out. <laughs> they, they certainly did not hold up. Oh, boy. Uh, oh. While we're in they also teased, uh, speaking on the, the topic of chaos, they teased the new Warhammer Plus models with the uh, the nice, you know, all black silhouette. Oh, yeah. And they're, they've they got to both be chaos. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, for those of you who weren't paying attention, uh, they went ahead and showed off the next year's worth of Warhammer Plus minis if you uh, get a full year subscription. Um, one of them is pretty blatantly a chaos sorcerer for Age of Sigmar, but being yeah. Age of Sigmar and a Chaos Sorcerer could very easily be used for 40k. And the other one is... Uh, it's nine, It's got to be a Chaos Terminator. 99.9% chance it's a Chaos Terminator because the silhouette is identical to some really old art. Um, shit, we probably should have looked up the artist before we started recording. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Uh, I'll definitely post the picture in chat or in the, uh, the Instagram uh, post whenever I put this up. Mark Gibbons. Uh, World Eater Terminator. Oh, of course, that's Mark Gibbons. Okay, so after some Google searching, we have discovered that the art is a Mark Gibbons Corn Terminator. Uh, for those of you who want to look up the picture yourself, um, yeah, it's it's. I'm looking at a, a deep dive on Reddit someone did right now, and they said I went on a Pepe Sylvia esque rabbit hole to connect the dots, and they're like doing red circles over everything and being like, oh, the chain fist, the snarling head, the corn symbol. Uh, so yeah, it's it's even got the spikes yeah. on the back. No, it's it's absolutely the same model. Here I'll post. Yeah, right on the right side, right below his foot, there's the MG for Mark Gibbons. Yep. So there's the uh, the Reddit post if you want to look at it as well, Tony. But uh, yeah, so check that one out. Uh, you can see that. Pepe Silva, god damn it. It took my brain a second to realize that was what you said. The fucking... Pepe Silva doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. We're just chain smoking trying to find this Terminator picture. <laughs> Pepe Silva. Pepe Silva. Pepe Silva. Always sunny in Philadelphia for those of you who don't He's know He's been wondering where the hell his mail has been, Charlie. <laughs> That's a classic oh, episode. It, it really is. It's interesting that this is in color considering... Andrew, is your Reddit username distinct ferret914? No. What the fuck? Are you logged into something? 
Uh, it's saying continue as distinct ferret914 off that link you sent me. Uh, someone else might have been on Reddit on your laptop then. On the laptop that I just wiped. That's a great question. No, that is em- emphatically not mine. All right. All right. Hold on. We're taking another pause. I'm looking up distinct ferret914 on Reddit. Yeah, I would, this is a, we're going to see some weird porn. <laughs> Kinky. Uh, no. Well, actually, hey, we can roll into the next segment of uh, talking about uh, ash waste when I look this up. Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, I guess we'll do a, uh, and also, it's a good time to do a, a quick review of the first year of Warhammer Plus, I suppose, because uh, that's what that article was, was, hey, are you ready for year two subscription? Cool, get some new models. So, uh, Tony was saying to me that uh, he has not enjoyed quite as much Warhammer TV as I have. Um, no, I've enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I have enjoyed it. Oh, I know. I meant enjoyed as in you haven't consumed as much as I have. Gotcha. Uh, I, other than a lot of the um, the battle reports, I've kept up with pretty much everything on it. I've watched all of the master classes and I've kept up with all the animation stuff. Um, on the whole, I would, as we've said in our previous updates, I would say Warhammer Plus is a is a worth buying for its price point for a, any big Warhammer hobby enthusiast. Uh, there's just a lot of good resources. Masterclass is 100% worth it because you get to see some really, really good painters do some really, really Shit's good techniques. Wild. Because uh, out of all the ones they've had, um, why am I blinking? What names are hard? <laughs> what name are you trying to think of, buddy? <laughs> Give me a second. Louise Sugden. <laughs> um, she's oh, far- the artist. I thought you were trying to think of like one of the, the techniques they showed. No, no, no. She's far and away the best out of all of them, but they've had two or three other people on who are all also fantastic painters. So it's absolutely worth checking out just to see that. They have a tutorial for most of the things you'd want to have right now from various skin tones to like how to paint realistic looking glass bottles, magical effects, horns and teeth, armor plating, weathering, etc, etc. So it's it's a really good resource the just for that. wet blending video that fucking wet blending video like i watched that probably four or five times and i'm still positive that was witchcraft yeah no i've tried multiple times to replicate it i think it's i think it's just a repetition thing she's probably done it so many more times that it's just like an ingrained thing where her hand just does it i could not do it i've gotten significantly better at wet blending than i used to be yeah but not 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 by a long shot in my quality um and then so, the uh, one where she was painting the the feather fur texture on the Griffhounds. Holy yeah. crap. No, there's just some some really cool stuff. If you want to see some very good painters do some very good painting, check out mm-hmm. Masterclass. Um, the animations on the whole are worth watching. We've discussed the uh, the Red Angels, Blood Angels. What, is, what the hell is it called? Yeah, the Blood Angels one. Uh, Angels of Death. Angels of Death, yeah. Uh, how it's worth watching... Some of the action is good. Some of it's a little lackluster. The audio quality is real shaky, mistakey. It's it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual animation itself veers in quality from very good to holy shit, we're out of budget <laughs> a lot. So it's a good one just to have on in the background for just Space Marines doing Space Marine shit. Um, then there's also Hammer and Bolter, which across the board is pretty consistently good. Uh, there's only been a couple yeah, episodes. Hammer and Bolter is solid. There's only been a couple episodes that I felt like were misses, and recently there's been some really good ones. There's one that's, uh, it follows a band of Chaos Terminators. That one's super good. Um, and another one where there's a contingency of, like, Death Guard who are trying to, like, you know, spread plague on this one planet. That one's really cool and shows a lot of, like, 
chaos warp fuckery that you don't normally see. That one was really cool. There was actually a shockingly touching one with Eldar, where one of them is trying to retrieve somebody's soul stone that he knew. That one was actually like, I was like, oh, that was actually like weirdly heartfelt. Yeah. I did not expect this from a, a Warhammer anything. Um, so that the Hammer and Bolter just keeps going up and up in quality. Um, the most recent big series they're doing, oh, sorry, I skipped one. Uh, the Exodite, the three episode disappointment that that was. Um, cool Such and- good sound quality. Better sound quality. That's definitely true. Uh, it's not hard to get better than Angels of Death, though. That one was a little all Unfair. over the place. And I thought its animation was really good, too. But it's The animation was really story. good. The Tau faces were firmly in the Uncanny Valley for me. Like, I genuinely had they a... creepy as fuck. I genuinely had, like, a, a reaction every time they showed those Tau faces where I'd be like, what the fuck? It was just like, I was, like, tempted to, like, throw my bottle at the screen or something. I was like, no, get that away from me. That's gross. <laughs> yeah, uh, they were not okay. No, they, like, it was not like a, oh, they went for a weird, creepy Xenos face. It was just a, the animation was weird. It did not look good. But... Uh, the Tau suits were very slick looking. The ships were cool looking. The actual like combat animation was good. They showed off some fucking Imperial Titans. That was probably the best part of the show to me. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Uh, it just sort of stopped, though. Like, the show was three episodes long, and it felt like it stopped when it started to get good and interesting. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I, I would, on the whole, give that one a negative just because it just didn't do anything. So, you know, watch it if you want to see some slick animation, but otherwise, not very good. Exodite, maybe they'll do more with it. Who knows? Uh, If they do, I hope they go somewhere with it, because boy, did they do nothing. Um, But they made up for it with Interrogator. Now, Tony, you said you've seen one episode of this so far? Uh, I started the episode, but I have not finished it, because I'm bad at life. I have kept up to date with it. Uh, I would say, on the whole, this is the best thing on Warhammer TV so far. It's not ended as of time of this recording, so it could go down the shitter completely, who knows. But, as of now, it does a really, really good job of showing how, like, dark and creepy it is to live on, like, a a Warhammer hive city. Um, It really honestly feels very, like, Necromunda. Like, if you want to know what it's like for the average Mm. hive scum type person, Interrogator's really good, because it follows a former Inquisitor Interrogator, who is one of, like, the hangers-on for an Inquisitor's retinue. Um, And the Inquisitor, you learn very quickly, so this isn't much of a spoiler. The Inquisitor is currently dead, so he's essentially unemployed, and he's just like trying to survive in this hive city. And then he eventually ends up getting wrapped up in this mystery as to what happened to the Inquisitor and what she was doing on that planet and so on. So it's a really cool deep dive into just some some Warhammer, like some, some key Imperial crazy shit. And it does a really good job of showing off like the horrifying life of uh, an imperial menial and how life is essentially meaningless for the vast majority of the imperium so it's a really good to get that vibe of just how fucking grim dark warhammer 40k is they did not shy away from the violence they did not shy away from just how oppressive everything is so i definitely really recommend at least up through episode six again might get terrible who knows but through episode six it's very solid so far yeah, I, I was going to wait for most of it to come out, or all of it to come out, that way I could just binge it through. Yeah, I, uh, I've been putting it on. It's one of those ones I put on in the background to watch while I'm painting, and then I would just end up watching it instead of painting. So that's a pretty good <laughs> sign of quality, I'd say. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, the battle reports on the whole are worth watching on occasion. Uh, they do a good job of streamlining how the game's played, but they also explain a lot of rules, which... Uh, 
The format has mostly been nailed on YouTube at this point. People have been doing it for 10 plus years. Mini Wargaming being like the big one that started it in a lot of copycats yeah. since then. And a lot of people have surpassed Mini Wargaming in terms of quality of the battle reports themselves. You know, just depends on the personalities of the people playing that you like. Um, but they, the Warhammer Plus guys do a very good job of like taking a two to three sometimes even four hour game of warhammer and condensing it down to about a 30 minute video just so you get like the big important beats they don't have to show them moving every single model like some people do uh they'll just be like all right my knight abominant attacks with his chain fist blah 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 does x amount of damage he misses three attacks it does this which is like 12 damage and you know they just do a really good job of hitting every single thing and saying oh this is my big army ability and they explain how that works so it's it's a good job of like a if you if you've read the rules and have a rough idea of how to play certain games they go into it and they've done that with age of sigmar they've done that with 40k uh they've recently been pushing war cry so uh they're doing the rotmeyer creed versus the horns of a shut with the heart of Gur box that came out recently so i might actually watch that one when we're done recording just so i can get a vibe of how to play the new warhammer edition or uh war cry yeah, edition. i plan on watching that as well so it's it's worth watching for that too so i think um so far, a year into Warhammer Plus, on the whole, just with the amount of content they, they have, because when they launched, they did not have any. It was it was not a good time to get into it. They didn't feel like they actually had enough content to be worth it until probably around the six-month mark or so, I'd say. But now, a year in, if you haven't watched any of the stuff that's on there yet, I'd say it's worth it, because they are putting out new stuff every every month, or sorry, every week. Um, so it's, it's just a snowballing effect. And this is not even discussing the warhammer vault where you can get old oh white dwarves God. and old uh old campaign supplements all kinds of yeah stuff. those really rad old horus heresy books they used to release back with the uh, the forge world models um just all kinds of old painting tutorials Are imperial armor books on there yet? imperial no? armor that's what i was thinking of yeah the horus heresy okay books. um but they also have like the sabbat wars and stuff like that on there so yeah there's it's a, it's a lot of content for a pretty reasonable price as far as a, a paid service goes. And then you also get access to the um, the Warhammer app and the Age of Sigmar app. So you can mm. do your list building and check out rules and stuff like that. So just, just everything combined, totally worth $60 a year, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, my Vindicare Assassin arrived at the GW store today, so I'm going to pick that up tomorrow. It's so weird because we've signed up at the exact same time, and they keep telling me I can't order mine until the 27th. So I signed up early for the Warhammer app, the 40K app. Mm. So I think that's why I was able to do it. Okay, because I never actually paid for the app. I got it through Warhammer Plus. That might be it. Yeah. Okay, well, as long as I still get it. Um, another thing to add to the backlog, I'll eventually paint it, or it might get chopped up into various different other projects. Who knows? So we'll see. Yeah, I think uh, I think my goal next year is to keep a list of everything I do and try and go hobby positive and paint more stuff than I buy. Oh, I need to update my list because I've actually been doing that for a couple of years now. I have yeah, not updated I, I my to. most recent couple finished projects. Well, I, I've got an actual dedicated hobby spot now so I can actually do that. That does help a lot. It does. Okay. Well, I think that's probably everything for Warcom at the moment. All right, so uh, as you may have guessed by our uh, our name tag game today, we're uh, going to go a little bit into the Book of the Outlands, the newest supplement for Necromunda that's got uh, everybody's favorite gangs, the Tusken Raiders and the Deep Rock Galactic Miners in it. 
And also the Orlocks. <laughs> oh, yeah, and there's some Orlocks. Yeah, you know, because they have bikes, too, I guess. Yeah, the Hells Angels. Yeah. <laughs> Tuscan Raiders, Deep Rock Galactic, and Hells Angels. The perfect triage. Triumvirate? Triumvirate. Triage? I, my, my, brain went to, my brain went to try, and then I was like, well, there's a word for that. Triage. No, triumvirate, you fucking idiot. Uh, it's all right, buddy. You, you know what? Good hustle, Andrew. I, I do a word good sometimes. <laughs> Today, I are not word good. Oh man! So Andrew, you want to you want to give us a little bit of a introduction into the wastelands? Okay, be our very own wasteland wanderer. Yes, if indeed. You will. Uh, get your pit boy on because we're walking out into the wastelands. Um, so, Book of the Outlands, most recent big Necromunda supplement came out with the Ash Waste, or shortly after the Ash Waste box came out. Uh, as Tony said, it has rules for three gangs in it, one of which has already existed. Two were made specifically for Ash Waste. Um, the first one is Ashway's Nomads, which uh, the book kind of like breaks down similar to the the various House of Blank books. Um, mm-hmm. Not nearly as in-depth because those are like entire whole books to themselves, but it gives you gang composition, tells you their alliances, if they're outlaw or law-abiding. Uh, tells you what kind of hangers-ons they can get because some of these uh, gangs are a little special in that regard, such as the, the Nomads. Specifically, the only original hangers-on they can get are ammo jacks, rogue docks, and sloppers. They just have an ash waste nomad version of it. So, you know, instead of Bigby Crumb, the the rattling slopper, they have to get, you know, Tuscan Raider Robe McGillicuddy, the the chef, to do it. So, uh, it's a good way to uh, model up your own sloppers, ammo jacks, and rogue docks to just be dudes in robes if you want to do that. Uh, also describes rules for if you want to do um, standard style Necromunda campaigns with them because they're like more designed for Ash Wastes. But as we said with my past couple, the past couple podcasts, I played the Nomads in uh, in our current Necromunda campaign. Um, so there's a lot of new rules for them where like the Nomads specifically, uh, they can't take control of territory, but they have a specific kind of outpost where whenever they take a territory, they burn it to the ground and get a shitload of credits instead of dealing with having a territory to take control of. And then if someone wants to attack the Nomads, they have to attack them on their home turf. So it's a very different way to play uh, original... um, uh, uh, Shit, what is the name of the campaign? Dominion Campaigns. Dominion Campaigns, yes, thank you. Uh, So very different way to play that. Um... The squats, on the other hand, play Dominion very similar, but uh, they get access to the um, the still, uh, what is it, the chem still or whatever, uh, because they use it to make booze instead of drugs. So it's, it's one of their, their gang-specific uh, territories that they can t- take control of. Uh, they also get access to the mines because they're dwarves. They're going to mine. Yeah, they mine. So, they're, they're Deep Rock Galactic Dwarves. Exactly. They mine. So that's that's one of their, their gang-specific territories, too. So they slot in pretty neatly with the Domin- Dominion campaign. But uh, they're definitely more built towards Ash Wastes. Uh, the Ash Waste Nomads don't have access to a lot of the new vehicle rules that everybody else does. Because uh, there is a good like customization option for pretty much every gang except for them. But they do have access to uh, Macro Insects. So currently, the only kit that they have are the Dustback Helamites, which are the big uh, cricket flea things that they write on. Um, But they've also teased in this book that they have other ones, and uh, they do actually have a brute that's also a uh, a big bug, which currently doesn't have a model. And I'm currently using the the Blackstone Fortress Amble as a stand-in if he ever comes into the board. But uh, they've teased the hundred and forty dollar be... amble. 
Well, it was fifty when I bought them. It's just uh, price yeah, gouges are real. Oof. Uh, so hopefully there will eventually be a uh, cargo eight size bug for the Ashwise Nomads. I'm uh, I'm kind <laughs> of envisioning the uh, the flamethrower bug from Storm Troop uh, Troopers. I almost said Stormtrooper Troopers. <laughs> yeah, I was trying <laughs> to figure out what the hell you were saying there. You smell toast so, there, buddy? I might. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, so the flamethrower bug from Starship Troopers. Um, just something huge that they can ride on the back of. Uh, have, like, I don't know, a howda with five or ten various nomads shooting from it with their long rifles. That'd be super cool. Um, they've already teased, or they, they've released a Forge World model for one of their Helmite riders, the... Uh, Watari Stormcaller, who specifically can... They have either warp magic or some kind of Archaeo tech. Nobody's super sure which. Uh, their staves let them control the weather in a small area, though. So they can actually like change the visibility of this of the map that you're on when you're in an Ashwaste campaign, which is pretty, pretty cool. So they have like kind of a, I don't know, mystic sort of vibe to go with their, their weird creepy bugs. So they're very like of the land which is, you know, horrifying because the land is all radioactive and toxic chemical and fucking a horrifyingly hot sun and, and sand storms that'll rip the skin off your bones and so forth. But, you know, that's pretty fun. Um, another fun thing about the Nomads is they are the only other gang that on gang building their base weapons, they have access to web guns. So Delok can suck it. Other yeah. people also have super annoying guns now, too. <laughs> Uh, web guns are probably one of the more hated weapons in Necromunda because if you hit, character's just gone. You don't you don't get anything special. You don't have to roll a wound or anything. They're just wrapped up and they're considered out of action unless you have a web solvent, which is a real big thing if, uh, you know, your 300 credit Zerker is charging at somebody and they just get webbed right off the bat. Um, so now the I still feel kind of bad that Jeff Zerker died by a fucking tentacle. Oh, uh, that was his, uh, his stimmer. Stimmer, sorry. Yeah, and that one had come back with a, a revenant package already, so he he died yeah. twice. So clearly, was not meant for that that poor wretched world. <laughs> yeah. um, they also have access to conversion fields and displacer fields right off the bat, so that's a pretty pretty beefy one to put on uh, a champion that you want to keep alive for a lot longer. Um, tons of stuff to to trick out their uh, their long range weapons because they're a very shooty gang so you can get infrasites and monocytes and stuff like that on all your long rifles right off the bat so it really leans into like the hit and run sniper tactics uh which is very cool uh flipping over to the squats uh like i said they have rules for dominion which is a big one they also feel like they're probably a little more geared towards dominion than the nomads were um they got some of the meanest starting stuff you can get in a gang. Like, right off the bat, this gang, if you want to spend the credits for it, you can trick out everybody in your gang with a bolt gun or a bolt pistol, which is huge in Necromunda. Bolt guns are really scary yeah. in Necromunda. Because if you hit and wound, they do two damage, and that's enough to put down pretty much anybody in the game. Uh, I mean, that even puts down champions. Yeah, no, like, some leaders have three wounds. Everything else pretty much goes down in one shot, which is, even if you don't end up killing them, that still takes them out of that particular game, which is really big. Um, they can take stub guns with dum-dum rounds for very cheap, so you can still hit pretty hard for 15 credits. I think dum-dum rounds are, like, a one-shot at strength five or something like that, which is also pretty damn big for a really cheap uh, gun. I think I think it's strength four. It's, like, a hot shot round. Right, strength four. But most people are toughness three, so that's still going to have a very oh, yeah, good chance. Oh, yeah, no, it's still very good. 
they also have a specific thing where um, a lot of them have power packs, so kind of like a Space Marine armor, but way less refined, of course. But they can have servo arms on the back of them, kind of like the Mechanicus do. And you can get bonus weapons with that. So normally there's limitations where you can have two pistols, two melee weapons, so on and so forth. They can negate that by having a servo harness arm that has a stone burner or a circular saw or something on it. So you can get bonus attacks in melee with their goofy robot arms on their back, which uh, if you got the credits for, can get really mean because you can put a fucking arc welder on there and just cut through armor. Uh, which, speaking of cutting through armor, they have power weapons by default on their list. You can get a power axe, fist, yeah. hammer, or pick right off the bat, which, really expensive. Prohibitively expensive, but really good once you start to snowball some credits with this gang. Um, they also have access to... Power light. picks are kind of like a nice, lighter cost one, though, right? Uh, yeah, power picks are 40 credits. Um, power axe is 35. That's not bad. Yeah, and a power pick is really high uh, armor penetration value, which is pretty pretty big when you get somebody who has only like a five up armor save. Anything with like a two or higher, you just they don't get a save. So um, you can also get stone saws. Stone saws, yeah. Uh, they also have the Ironhead Melta Gun, which is a rapid fire Melta Gun on their starting list. So if you want to spend 155 credits, you can just essentially melt anything in the game on a good shot. Um, which is a uh, pretty pretty feels badsy, but you know, fuck it. <laughs> um, they also have really good uh, armor right off the bat. You can get heavy carapace armor, which puts them up to a three up armor save, which is insane in Necromunda, but only a three up armor save in their front arc. Yeah, because arcs are a thing in this game. If you attack them from behind, it's a four up save. Also, it reduces their movement by one one inch, which is really big for squats because they native only have four inches of movement, which is very slow. The only other gang that's that slow is Vansar, and that's because they're riddled with cancer. <laughs> so, you know, cancer or short well, It legs. also reduces their initiative by one. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's definitely a choice if you're going to pick heavy carapace armor. The smarter choice would be to go for light carapace armor and armor body glove once you get access to the, uh, the trading post, but that's its own thing. Um... Also have access to a lot of uh, stuff to make their guns better. They can get a suspenser, so that way, if you have the unwieldy trade on their heavy guns, they can just ignore that, so you can move and shoot in the same turn, which is a big thing. Uh, same thing with the infrasights, the monocytes, uh, telescopic sights, make all of their very high-powered bolt guns be able to hit you a lot more reliably. So that's a very, very important thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's real rare to be able to get a suspenser in starting gear too, like yeah, really typ rare. Typically, you I gotta think Eschers and Von Saar are the only other gangs that can do it. Yeah, because typically you got to roll pretty high at the trading post to have access to them. Somewhere around like a nine or ten on the trading post, depending on mm -hmm. who's uh, checking it out. So it's a uh, it's a big one. Maybe a little lower than that, but still, still not not guaranteed every time you check it out. Uh, so that's pretty much it for the two gangs. It's only the first uh, 40 pages of the book between them with a little bit of lore blurb. They get like three or four pages each, which is a little disappointing, but it's also not a house of book where they really go yeah. in depth. We're probably going to get those within the next six months to a year, depending on uh, how hard they go into the I was really spaces. hoping for a lot more lore. Yeah. I'm hoping for a lot more lore on the squats. It's enough to kind of whet the appetite where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I want to see what the mysteries of the squats are and so forth. But, uh, you know, it's fine because this is kind of a catch-all book for this new setting. Um, from mm -hmm. that point forward, we go into the vehicles, which is the really big, really cool thing for this book. So for those of you who haven't kept up, Ash Wastes is Necromunda but Mad Max, where you can build your own vehicles. So starting off... 
you have to hire a crew, which depending on what vehicle you're manning can be one driver or up to like six if you get the really big stuff. Uh, you also have to purchase the vehicle, so it's a little bit expensive right off the bat because of that. Uh, if you're playing Ash Waste, you get access to extra credits to mitigate that, though, so you're not going to feel too left behind right off the bat. Uh, if you want to start off with just like Yeah, you absolute, start with uh, 400. Yeah. So that can get you either a bunch of really cheap little vehicles or one or two pretty solid mid-range ones. Um, and if you want to be really, really dirt cheap, you can get a Waster's Dirt Bike. It's 50 credits. You just you put an idiot on a bike and you let them go. They get, they get much higher movement, but, you know, if you sneeze at them, they'll explode. Um, they also have a little blurb on the same page where they're like, go wild with the conversions. They talk about having cyber cats. You can have... Uh, hover bikes you can go completely crazy with your conversions as long as they're all roughly the same size so it's a, a converter's paradise for sure um you can buy different kinds of crew members so you know you get your orlock specific ones if you're orlock so they have a uh their own set of skills that other guys don't have access to if you want to get uh kind of a um, the equivalent of hive scum you can get scum racers who are just you know your dipshit guys you pick up at the necromunda gas station essentially where it's like hey you want 20 credits to fight for my gang all right join us um Eventually, I'm assuming they'll probably release the equivalent of a House of Book for everybody, so that way you have like an Ash Waste specific loadout for each gang, which would be really cool since they've already teased the new Brute Choppers for the uh, Goliaths, uh, so mm -hmm. we can see all of their specific bonuses. Um, they also have a section, it's it's weird, they start talking about the vehicles and then the book goes straight into Brutes, which there are some cool Ash Waste specific Brutes. Yeah, that's strange here. that it does that. You think they would put that before the vehicles and keep the vehicles all together, but hey, while we're here. So, the Brute that I was talking about for the Nomads, they get the uh, Arthromite Herder, which, uh, it's 210 credits, which is real big in Necromunda. It's essentially kind of an Ambot, but a little bit beefier. It just doesn't have access to the guns, because it's a big bug. <laughs> um... The Arthromite uh, is a, a three-up weapon skill, which is really big. It's got three wounds, which is big. Strength five, toughness five, pretty high initiative. It can also climb walls. Uh, whenever you roll on the lasting injury table, you roll twice, and whoever's controlling the bug gets to pick it. So, you know, if you roll a death roll, there's a good chance you might roll a double one, and it just gets experience instead. instead. Um, you can also hire a herder with it, who is... You know, the equivalent of the Rancor Herder guy from Return of the Jedi who just, like, tames the bug and takes care of them. He has a chance to give them bonus experience at the end of a game or uh, heal them a little more quickly if they end up getting super Necromunda injured. Danny Trejo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then we get to uh, one of the models I just recently picked up, the Ironhead Squat's uh, Vartigan Exo Driller, which is a squat big daddy suit, essentially. Um this one's bonuses. It lets you get extra credits if you own a mining facility. Uh, if you're doing a uh, sneak attack mission, um, if you're on defense, it has a sensor suite, so it makes it a lot easier for you to detect when people are coming to sneak up on you. Um, it's also just a fucking powerhouse with a four-up weapon skill and a three-up ballistic skill. Strength four, which is pretty decent, and then toughness five, three wounds again. Uh, but it comes with a bolter or a really good flamethrower, so it's just a solid all-around weapons platform. Uh, there's also a few, like, neutral hangers on you can get now. So you can get an Outlands Beastmaster, which I'm really interested to see people convert these guys. So you get your basic mm -hmm. dipshit who's got a poke and spear, but then you can choose from three different models. Uh, you can either get a giant rat, which will be perfect for your Codorg hang, Tony. so bad. They're so bad. Oh, it's awful. It's definitely just a chaff model. But it's literally got Though the... you only have to buy it once. Well, it's got the... It's literally got the rule... 
expendable. So <laughs> you, they're yeah. meant to be cheap and stupid and just an extra body to throw. Um, but, you know, someone shooting at a giant rat is not shooting at your champion or something. So, you know, for 30 credits, that's not anything mm-hmm. to sneeze at. Uh, if you want to get a little bit better, you can hire a Millisaur, which is uh, kind of like a lamprey centipede from the art. It's definitely a little interesting looking. Um, they have ambush predators so that they can come in. They have the infiltrate skills. So they can come in on a different side and, you know, sneak attack people. Uh, decent armor save. They can burrow so they don't have to worry about terrain as much. So just kind of a, a decent little little critter to throw at them for 60 credits. And then you get the Ripper Jack, which is kind of a meaner version of the Minoc from Star Wars. It's just a big, like, fucking horrible bat monster, but also has tentacles and teeth and all kinds of craziness. <laughs> it's um, mean as shit. It's really scary looking. Uh, but it can fly, which is a really big thing for Necromunda, because just ignores terrain, doesn't worry about levels, so you don't have to worry about climbing or anything like that. Uh, if it attacks somebody and gets a successful hit, it has enveloping attack. So they're essentially wrapping around a person's head with their big goofy bat wings and giving them a negative two to initiative and makes it harder for them to hit. So that's a good one to tie up, you know, a big ridiculous uh, hanger on like a Ambul or something or Ambot or something like that that one of the enemy gangers have. Uh, so that's all the hangers on for right now. And then we get to the Wasteland Workshop. This is the big one, the real thing that you come to this book for. So this is where you can build your own vehicle. So they give you basic templates. You have a light vehicle, a medium vehicle, and a heavy vehicle, and a walker. So for those of you who have an old Sentinel kit lying around, you can just make a cool... Got one next to me. You can just make a cool, ridiculous walker for ash wastes for between 70 to 200 credits, depending on what you want to throw on it. So it gives you a very basic template. So, for example, I'm looking at a medium vehicle right here. It's 130 credits base. It has toughness 5 all around, which is just a good, solid, Mm -hmm. mid-range vehicle, as it should be, being called a medium. Six-inch movement. Uh, decent saves. Um, but the big thing with this is you can add stuff to it. You can go, if you got the credits, you yeah. can go wild. You can add turbo boosters to the engine. You can add a crash cage if you know these guys are prone to rolling. You can add escape hatches if you don't want your crew to die after they inevitably roll over. Uh, you can add you weapons. You can put nitrous in it. You can add nitrous to it. You can add tire claws. So if, you, if you're in really hard terrain, they essentially have cleats on their tires so they can grip a little better. All-wheel steering, emergency brakes, smoke vents. You can make like James Bond traps where you can have caltrop launchers and oil slicks and smoke. Uh, there's weapon hard points on every vehicle so you can add up to like six weapons on it depending on the size of the vehicle the weapons being everything from your basic auto gun to fucking plasma cannons and mining lasers and all kinds of crazy shit but it gets even yeah, wackier there's there's all kinds of shit there's so many things you can add you can eventually get to things like uh an explosive ram do you care about health and safety of your crew no you don't you throw an explosive ram on there to give them way more damage if they try and t-bone an enemy vehicle um you can and put, you can turn them into hovercraft you can turn them into hovercraft you can get an archaeotech engine so it goes faster and harder but when it dies it's a guaranteed explosion because it goes uh, goes critical um Let's see, you can add redundant drive. So if your engine gets shot, no, it doesn't. It's fine. It turns back on automatically. Uh, you can choose to have a gas mm. pr- gas promethium engine so you can get fuel easier. You can choose to have a plasma coil engine. So that way, same thing with the Archaeotech engine. It goes harder, <laughs> but when you get hit, you're going to die, and it's going to be glorious. The, the options are just so good. There's like 20 pages of just stuff There's to There's so from. many. 
uh, there's a lot of like secondary stuff you can get that's not even necessary for like the the body and livelihood of your vehicle. You can get stuff to uh, just make like the games easier. Like if you're playing a night mission, you can get headlights. You can get flare launchers. Uh, if you know you're going to be doing some wacky shit where you're riding alongside other people's vehicles, you can get a boarding ramp so it's easier for you to jump crew onto it to attack. Just like the um, the pole cats from Mad Max where they just got people jumping on the back of your war rig the whole time. Mm-hmm. You can get mine launchers, which I would. 100% fucking model that for Cawdor is their boarding ramp. It would be perfect for Cawdor. That's absolutely the kind of joked up bullshit that they would do. They love dumb sticks and risky situations. Do you want to get extra stupid with your conversions and make a Ben-Hur chariot? You can, because they got wheel sides. <laughs> you can get Roman with this shit. It's going to be hilarious. I am so excited to, for a year from now to see all of the wacky fucking conversions people make for Necromunda Ashways. Um... It's uh, it's just wild. There's genuinely like 20 or 30 pages of stuff to choose from. And then, if you really don't care about conversions, they have baseline stuff. They have rules for the Wolf Quad from the Gene Stealer Kit's uh, bike kit. Uh, you can get the Rock Grinder. You can oh, tell. that's what the Wolf Quad is. Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the ATV that the, comes with the Jackal Bikers. Oh, shit. I was trying to figure out what the fuck a Wolf Quad was. Yeah, uh, so if you're lazy, or just don't have the time, or you just have a Gene Stealer Colts army and don't want to change what you already have, you can pick from these vehicles. They, they clearly built all of this with that in mind, because those are supposed to be like civilian accessible pieces of equipment. So you can get a rock grinder, which comes with a rock grinder on the front as a base, which has its own rules for attacking. It also still has uh, the rules for additions onto it, so if you feel like adding stuff on as the campaign goes you can add a blade of armor you can add a seismic cannon you can add headlights and pneumatic radials and tire claws and an easy turnover engine with nitro burners and smoke vents you can go buck fucking wild and then the biggest most wildest one of all the cargo 8 ridge hauler for the guild of coin um the way they make it it's it's not even like a, a merchant kind of thing where it's like a one-off vehicle you get for a mission. You can just have it in your crew. You just essentially hire this giant war rig to be with your gang the entire time. For 230 credits, you get a front toughness of 9, side and rear toughness 8 vehicle. So you pretty much gotta hit it with Save crack grenades up. or melta-guns or las cannons or you're not getting through it. Um, you get bonuses for keeping it alive in your game whenever you bring it. Uh, the more trailers that you decide to buy and bring with it, the more money you get in your game if you successfully survive with it. Uh, you can choose to go on specific uh, missions with it where you're hauling cargo, and the cargo can have different things in it, like, oh, this particular container is full of grenades, or this one is a Promethean tank. So if you have flame weapons, if you run out of ammo, it's fine. Just You just fill up at the Promethean tank, and it's totally fine. You can just keep shooting. You can add all kinds of shit to it. A little less crazy on the uh, the upgrade options with the cargo weight because it's a little more standardized, but you can still choose between storm bolters, crack, uh, grenade launchers, adding additional things like the, the crash cages and the reinforced armor. You can add a weapon stash, so that way you can uh, have a, a basic extra gun that you can run to if your guy just runs out of ammo and you don't want to worry about trying to get a good reload off. Um... Again, with the trailers, they have, like, lifeblood of the waste special rule. So if you're hauling fuel, you're guaranteed an extra D6 times 10 credits if the tank isn't destroyed because everybody needs fuel. Um, what else they got? Uh, you can do trading runs, which are specific types of missions. Um, 
that is it for all of the, the vehicle bonuses, but that was seriously like 30 pages yep. of just That's choices. A lot. Of it's a lot of shit for vehicles. There's so much stuff. And then we get into the new mission types. There's so many new missions. They, oh, okay. So now we get into the missions, which are like, you can do a basic kind of Necromunda one where there's just like a static base you're fighting over. You're trying to get caches. You're trying to get loot boxes, etc. cetera. Uh, you just also can take vehicles. So you can ram into terrain. They have rules for if they're solid uh, buildings or rickety ones. So you can, with those those big uh, Ewok huts that we got in the Ash Waste kit, you can actually choose to make one have a rickety rule. So whenever you run into it, there's a chance it'll fall over and kill everybody inside of it. Um there's also a different type called rolling roads where you're changing the terrain every round because it's mimicking a car chase. You are having a Mad Max gunfight from cars, and if people fall off... Of I it, love that rule. If people fall off of the vehicle, they have to get up and try and keep up with the vehicles, otherwise they're lost to the wastes. <laughs> so there's a lot, of, a lot of flavorful stuff you can do with that. Uh, you have to keep track of what season it is because you could be in the season of flame where the sun is insanely hot. So you're taking constant fire damage or you can be in the middle of a, a radioactive tornado. Like just imagine all of the most wacky shit from Mad Max Fury Road. You can do it in this game, but you can have Warhammer flavor. So there's lasers and stuff too. Um, there's like there's rules for dunes. You can have different terrain for like, oh no, the wind has picked up enough that the hills are changing because the dunes are shifting. Um, it's just so, so much stuff. And like, it's it's honestly kind of a thin book. Like this is uh, about a third of this book is just rules for like reiterating stuff that's been in previous, uh, previous books. So like, mm-hmm. you know, telling you stuff for like blast templates, rapid fire, shock, uh, telling you the, the rules for personal equipment and armor and stuff like that. So ignoring that, it's only about 100 pages or so of the new rules for vehicles and what yeah, you can do with them specifically. It, so this book alone... It only clocks in at about 140 pages. Yeah, and that's with a bunch of and it's, bunch of rules that were seen in previous editions or previous And books. a lot of color plates. There's some beautiful color plates in this book. Oh yeah, fantastic art in the book as well. Some really, uh, some good shots of people's gangs that they painted up for heavy metal team. Uh, some of the terrain that they've done. So really when you boil it down, it's about 90 pages of good new stuff. And it's good new stuff. So even if it feels mm-hmm. a tiny bit on the light side, it's more like a... Um, you know, the appetizer before a few books from now when we really start to go buck wild with the Ash Waste and can really see what we can do with this. So I am just so damn excited to see what happens with the upcoming releases for, for Necromunda. It's it's just going to get better from here. As long as it doesn't go full 9th Ed 40k and have too many damn rules. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And now I need a sip of water after that much talking. Ah. Oh, so did anything in particular stand out to you when you browsed through the Ash Waste book, Tony? I know you haven't had uh, quite as much time to gush over it as I have. Well, the fact that I could spend a thousand credits and get a land hauler or a Cargo 8 Ridge Runner fully equipped with four fucking trailers full of heavy stubbers and have like a 30-inch goddamn long vehicle is pretty fucking awesome. It's such a huge model. And yeah, you can genuinely build a starting gang worth of equipment for one vehicle and it's just so over the top and goofy and it's not going to come up very often but when it does it's going to be so goddamn cool <laughs> having an actual squat land train back in in actual current edition warhammer stuff it's just mm-hmm. it's so fun and so silly and i love it so much 
Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what stood out to me was the fact that you can get an actual fucking land train, and just it, it's super customizable, like the old vehicle design rules from I believe that was fourth edition that came in chapter approved. It, it just the amount of customization in this is amazing to me. Yeah, and it's not even, like, you can go as simple or as wild as you want to, as long as your gang has the credits for it. Pretty much the only thing right off the bat when I was reading this book that I saw that I wanted, I was like, hmm, I want a walker with just a big drill on the front. It's not very good. It'll honestly be kind of stupid. But it just sounds so fun to just have the big, goofy ATST walker with a, just a giant oh, yeah. fuck-off drill on the front. <laughs> I, I'm very curious to see how balanced it is and how easily it will break. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where the new rules are just that. They're very new, so I don't think comparatively mm. they've had much play testing yet. I do feel like a lot of the heavier weapons and gear you can get are fairly well balanced credits-wise, so that could prevent people from going, you know, I'll have four seismic cannons or las cannons or whatever and really just tear through everybody, but eh, it's just one of those things where we'll have to see. Necromunda's never exactly been the most balanced of Warhammer games. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, well, Andrew, do you have uh, you have any other closing thoughts on this uh, rather long episode for us this time? Well, we had a... It'll probably clock in around the, uh, probably around the hour and 40 to hour and 45 mark when I'm done editing. Yeah, a couple of, couple of pauses for dog walking and so forth, but nothing too wacky. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Main thing is, uh, holy shit, there was so much stuff on Warhammer Community. Oh my there god, there was, it there is, was. It has been a year for Games Workshop stuff. Uh, Man, it's it's crazy to me how much stuff they've released. Oh, it's. I mean, keep it up. As long as they keep making good stuff and fun games, we'll keep yeah, gushing. I'll over keep it. buying it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, just uh, haven't even gotten to play Ash Wastes yet. I'm just, I'm just, just just salivating at the idea of all of the possibilities so i just want to want to see what what can happen once we really get to it yeah it's uh it's definitely been the year of the specialist game and we've stuck to that pretty hard we've had a little bit of sigmar just prepping for nova and i've played i think two games of 40k all year but everything else has been specialist games and i'm loving it man no it's been great i mean i think that uh, it, it really is where they let their creativity fly. Like, there's a lot of... Don't get me wrong. There's some really cool 40K and Age of Sigmar models. That's mm -hmm. the reason I'm in the hobby. But, like, they really can drill down with the special rules and, like, the ideas that necessarily... Wouldn't necessarily fly in something like 40K and can, can get a lot more flavorful with everything. And that's one of the reasons I love stuff like Necromunda, where it's just easier to tell a story without even having to, like... It, it, with your like character conversions you can tell a story without even having to write a 10-page novel about it like some people do yeah i'm looking forward to going to the gw store tomorrow uh picking up my assassin model and pre-ordering hexbane hunters yes we are the day before the pre-order for that and i'm absolutely getting mm -hmm. a box of that myself the real question is oh, yeah. do i keep it age of sigmar or do i turn it into an inquisitorial warband for necromunda sounds like you need two sounds like it but is it responsible for me to buy to? Hmm. <laughs> Has that ever stopped us before? The main thing is Nova's coming up real soon. Got to keep my spending money for that. So I might just buy one. Yeah. And then if I really get the bug, I can buy a second one. Yeah, that's that's a good call. Because I'm going to get it one way or the other. We'll just see how, uh, how wild my conversion ideas are. Uh, all right, Andrew, you got any, uh, any fun advice to leave us on this time? Oh, God, I didn't think about it at all. Uh, it's uh, okay, we've only done this 17 times. Yeah, no, I just, it's it always sneaks up on me. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in you. Yeah, I can do it. 
Give me a second. You're going to edit out some pauses, I'm sure. Nope. Nope. This one's staying in, though. Nope. Okay. Yeah, because I called it out. Okay. Yes. Uh... Just first device that pops into your head. Uh, pet a cat. It makes you feel better. All right. You heard it here first, kids. Pet a cat. It makes you feel better. I don't know if that's actual advice or weird innuendo, but hey, what can you do? Whatever floats your boat, man. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening and have a good night. Night. Dice like guys must be nice to play some games with your friends. Necromunda makes you wonder how friendships end. So flip that table if you're able and consult your charts and graphs. So let's have some fun and get it done Or you can kiss my ass Thank you once again for listening. You can always contact us at DiceLikeIcePodcast at gmail.com or find us on our Facebook or Instagram, also under Dice Like Ice Podcast. We would also like to give a big shout out to Scarlet Saturn for use of their music in our show. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.